Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, good night, whenever you listen to this. This is Machu Bidi alongside my critique Confounding Crime, Ricardo Medina. Hello, hello, hello. And this is another episode of Bears Beats and Daily. And uh, we have to start things off on a really sad note. Um, one of the, the great, I would say, or, say, or I should say one of the more iconic uh, African-American directors, film directors, yeah. uh, passed away last Monday time is recording here. Of course, we're talking about John Singleton. Um, you know, he, he actually was the, the first African-American director to be nominated for Best Director at the Academy Awards for his debut and still breakthrough film, Boys in the Hood. Uh, still remains my okay. favorite film from John Singleton period. Um, that's a movie that really struck me deeply. Never forgot when it actually aired on TV6. Well, our um, equivalent of, you know, um, well, what we had as, as the one station that used to give us like really cool movies, you know, basically. And I always remember that it showed, um, I think it was on a Friday night. I think it was like after 10, like around half 10, like we, like, you know, put the kids to bed, like beyond that period. That was, that was where it was. Now. Uh, I don't want to ramble right. up all my experiences with Boise Hood, but it's just seeing that. And even though it was, you know, the language is edited and stuff like that, uh, it, it still struck a chord with me. And, you know, I've, and then actually I saw the full uncut version. I was like, yeah, this, this shit really, really hit my heart though. Um, course seeing ice cube and morris chestnut uh well cuba good jr lawrence fishburne yep. you know angela bassett being that and then well the point we're getting at is is that the last five minutes of that movie or i should say just that last scene and that last line always brought tears to my eyes like every time i heard it that you've got one brother left like that yep. shit just hit me out i that w- i would say if there's one thing i could take away from his filmography is just that one moment and that movie uh, in in um, in general, but uh, of course we have to mention stuff like Poetic Justice, which yeah. personally I wasn't too big of a fan of because it just kind of felt like it was trying to be like two different, two or three different stories at the same time. But it had John Jackson, it had the late great Tupac Shakur, uh, who I'll talk about in a little bit, and, and it was a pretty good movie. That's not my favorite. Uh, one of my, it's not, it's not one of my favorite movies from his filmography. Um, there was Higher Higher Learning, which I honestly really enjoyed yeah. a lot. Yeah, like he was channeling Spike Lee. Like this was his do the right thing, you know, in 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 yeah. the sense of, all right, this is a powder keg, a lighting from the very beginning. We talking about these serious issues about race, but you know the the keg is still being lit, and you know it's gonna end on this. Sorry, it's gonna lead to this kind of violent climax, just like do the writing, and then it just ends where you just have to kind of figure out like shit, like where we had to go now. <laughs> like you just like I don't know, like. Just that ending alone in this hall, it just came to, to pass. It's just like, shit, like, now you have me thinking differently now. And then, of course, well, that last scene and the unknown at the very end was just so powerful to me. And, um, well, there was also Baby Boy, which I 
got into it um, a little bit late, but I actually enjoyed, um, well, didn't really pick up, didn't really get the first time, um, but I enjoyed it the second or two time I checked it out. But the point being is that, um, well, Tupac was actually supposed to be playing the character that Tyrese was playing there. But, um, well, unfortunately, he passed away. So, you know, that didn't come to pass, right? But right. speaking of Tyrese, you know, he also did um, Too Fast and Furious, right? Uh, which yes. was not the best Fast and Furious movie, but it did have yeah, the best it's, soundtrack. It's one of the weakest ones. Yeah, yeah. But, but it did have the best soundtrack, in my opinion, yeah. right? Um, and not to mention, there was Shaft, which I enjoyed for the most part. I need to, yeah. re- I need to get back into it, seeing that there's a Shaft sequel coming out i believe is in june you know and right. um there was also well rosewood which is one of his lesser known films i saw it once so it was okay but i kind of forgot about it years later on and that's a movie only know because of you know black history shit yes 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 exactly and a show that honestly i know a lot of people like real rate and think it's like one of his best works but I kind of find it's just normal. Uh, Four Brothers. Right, right. Yeah, like, I saw Four Brothers a couple of times. It was cool, but some people think it's just such a great movie and such a, you know, just a badass flick. And I'm like, all right, well, you find so? Okay, well, uh, you know what I mean? But yeah, but um, I mean, we could talk forever about his, his work, though. But, you know, for me, though, just knowing that he was a, well, not just a black man, but, you know, coming from South Central L.A., and yeah. he was able to take his craft, his knowledge of film, and use that to tell a story about where he's from, you know what I mean? Because, yeah, it is kind of like a semi-autobiography about his life in the other day, you know what I mean? And just how he was able to just take his art, you know, to, to other, you know, um, with other films, basically. But I like also that he didn't kind of put himself in a box. Like, he wasn't trying to be the next Spike Lee. He wasn't trying to make all these, you know, woke films all the time. Like, he, you know, he did entertainment films, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, you're too fast and furious and you're a baby boy now. Right. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. His career, his career, you know, it's... I don't know. We can debate on how much, how much he could have done more in his career. But again, you know, when he was young and how much potential he fulfilled. Yeah, so no, it's a debatable kind of thing. But, um, yeah, I, I find he was one of those that didn't have to get trapped up in the nonsense. And... I wished he got like his wind behind a good franchise to build from, yes. um, and then do something like that. So we could have probably gotten really something really blowing away or really big, but you know it just never happened. But yeah, still yeah, I yeah. really man. And, yeah. and and that's unfortunate too because I mean look at look at Spike Lee for example. Um, yeah. Apart from Black Klansman, you know he's 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 doing season two of She's Gotta Have It right on Netflix right, which I honestly which I loved actually I I rate it as one of the the best shows I've seen in 2017 right, but you know uh, apart from the show that uh, he did with F- four FX sorry called Snowfall which I have not gotten into yet unfortunately, um, you know I just always wish that he just got that that big film you know that big theatrical film where it's like well I return to form basically for um. For John, because it always felt to me personally like he was still trying to find his way. Like, you know, he didn't want to be put into that box of making all these, you know, these social issue films and whatnot, these hood movies. Exactly. But at the same it's time, a, you could tell that it was a, a, a problem with him navigating yeah, from American, film to film. Yeah, the, the problem is that the American, like, um, you know, you know, the ADOS movement and all that stuff is only so much you could do with that. That's my thing with the black issues now. Um, 
it's only so much you could do with it. That, that's the thing. You talk about it, you get you get through your system, or you tell your story about it. But after that, it's like, well, what are you going to do now? The idea is just to have it where you're going to have a character who's black, but not uninformed by their race, kind of, but it can't be about their race. Uh, yeah. And he had to start writing those stories. And he, I thought, would have been one of those um, directors to do that. Like, I don't expect Spike Lee to ever do that, right? No. Um, but he was the kind of person I thought we would have gotten some, at least some solid scripts where he could have done, well, he had the character black, and he had the informed by the blackness, blah, blah, blah. But we haven't, it's only until now we start to see that past. So he just end up kind of missing that for some reason, or skipping it, you know, um, for yeah. whatever reason. I mean, it's all, so, you know, it's, you know, all kind of bullshit that I'm true, regardless. Yeah. You're not black, so I don't know. Right. Um, last thing I just want to say um, before we move on. Um, he also, well, I forgot to mention, he also directed uh, the Michael Jackson video, Remember the Time. Uh, yes, pretty, yeah. pretty classic. Oh, I'll say pretty classic. Uh, A classic I, video, I, in my it, opinion. Yeah, it's actually, it's actually one of my favorite Michael Jackson videos, actually. Um, and I always crack up when you listen to the lyrics of Michael Jackson. There's, okay, anybody who's followed, well, I don't really follow it too much, but uh, anybody who's followed Black Twitter knows about that probably one of the most truly classic Twitter trends. Um, Paul, is this dude basically describing Remember the Time and right. showing, showing how insane the story is? And <laughs> there's this one really funny line, really funny line Paul, um, he, brought, he brought that da 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 in a man's, in another man's house. Let's look it up. You will be insane. <laughs> like, holy shit, somebody could like, do a video or some video essay about that shit. I'm surprised that nobody edited, edited together a good video essay. Um, oh. Oh, I also thought that was a pretty funny liner. I know you scat that. Yeah, right. You know, right. But he did. That's the idea. But he does this. But him just describing, you know, the, the scenario going on there. Right. Um, especially Michael Jackson's lyrics and whatnot. And it, it's it's like that. That Twitter thread is truly hilarious. A truly classic black Twitter black Twitter thread right there. Though. Um, right. Right. Yeah. But I, I do think is remember. Yeah. Um, look, John Singleton's a man. Yeah. In my opinion, very good director. Um, I would say great, but good. Very good. Right. Like, very um, talented. But, but as, as you talk about that, well, uh, what about, well, his films? Like, like what did those films like mean to you at all? Yeah. Like, uh, yeah. So the ones that stick out to me, and at its time, in its time, it was great. At the, looking back at it, it, it tried, I think it tried to juggle drugs too much, and I higher learning. You know, it, it, the, the problem with higher learning is that it tries to spin too, a little too many, one too many plates um, when it comes to the topic or the subject matter. Um, right. But it still looks, it, it, it did the, the college the college experience stuff around the same time a different world came out. And, you know, that was the whole uh, um, black, but but everybody's nice, you know, um, Cosby experience stuff, right? Yes, yes, yes. Uh, no, right. And that, I that's, forgot that's, to that's, mention, too, in terms of um, of, of uh, higher learning, he actually got a great performance out of Tyra Banks, too. Like, holy shit. Yes, <laughs> like, on average, it's really good. Yeah, yeah, on average, it's a, it's a great, for me, it's a solid movie in that sense. But I, it's one of those. If you're young, you'll love it. And but when you're actually thinking about the scenario and the story, looking back at it, it, it really hold up so so hot. And I, it, you know, in in my retrospective, um, you know, critic mind, you know, you see why, right? It's only now you could see that. Only in, only in retrospect you could see it, kind of. Um, but yeah, it's, it's one of those movies that worked for me. Yeah, Boys in the Hood classic. It, it still holds up to this day. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, was it? yeah. Well, Fast and Furious was just Fast and Furious. Come and go on. Like, oh, yeah, right. So John Singleton directors. Um, yeah. But, you yeah, know, and then, really, um, Rosewood is one of those, again, it's one of those movies that is just a black history movie. I, I would have not known about it if it wasn't for some, I forget who it was, but it had some black history person who was like, oh, yeah, Rosewood was a thing. And I was like, all right, I decided to just look it up and look at it myself a few years back. 
Right. Um, and that, that, was, that was pretty much it. But it's a decent enough story. Um, it is. Michael Rooker is in that. Michael Rooker oh, was yes, in that. Yes, 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 yes. I forgot that, yeah. Like, the only person I remember from that movie is Ving Reims, though. Like, only person I remember is Ving Reims. Right. But a bunch of people, you look back and like, oh, yeah, he was in this and he was in this and so on. So, but, yeah, that was about it. He was, you know, in the 90s, he had all these directors that went on to, that came up and blew up. And he was one of them, in my opinion. I, in, but because... So because um because of the nature of Hollywood, he only had space for one, and that was Spike Lee. And the you know it ended up being the more didactic director. And yeah. I think if Singleton or if, you know I, I don't know, it's only again Captain Hindsight just make this case um is how he could have played his cards differently and be a, a much more prolific director, but you know or, or more in line with somebody like a Tarantino or or even like a Robert Rodriguez, where you're talking about black stuff, but it's not about black stuff. You know, Robert Rodriguez does a lot of Mexican Hispanic stuff, but it's not only Mexican Hispanic stuff. If you get the point of trying to me, yeah, yeah, I, I totally understand. Yeah, right. And I, he was he was the, the filmmaker that could have done that. He was in the space, like you know, Spike Lee too didactic. Spike Lee not gonna give you anything um, on that level because you go always had to boil back down to something you know, blatantly political, like even something like Inside Man was about the Holocaust. I mean, gosh. Yeah. <laughs> you know? No, right. Right. You know, always had a boil back down in our way. He had, a, he had a always be okay. All right, Spike. He ain't going right. right. Miracle of Santana was, was another one that, uh, that ended up just being a mess um, from a historically accurate standpoint. Yes. Um, yes. So, I don't know. Um, he is truly missed, no doubt. Eh? Um, yeah, yeah. And it's, 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 when I hear the news and he was on like support and I was like, and then they said he wanted to pull the plug and not sure and I was really quite surprised that they pulled the plug this quickly um, um, on him. But it's like, yeah, it's like, wow, they, they really didn't know us, you know. Um, they didn't know, I think they just didn't know what to do. And it, it was like up in the air now. So they said, all right, let's pull the plug ahead of time. And I think I, I, I understand. I mean, the only explanation for something that quickly is if he had a living will. Um, so it's like that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, um, you know, you know, rest in peace. You know, that's, that's all I could say at this point. Yeah. Um, um, but, I just want to uh, say one last thing though. Um, if it's one film I, I would have wished that he could have done, but I know that there was some situation, some politics that went on. Um, yeah. A Tupac film. Remember we got right. Rise of Me two years ago, which I right. defend. Not a perfect movie by a long shot, but I imagine with John, you know, Hellman, it, it would have been it would have been a it would have been a masterpiece in my opinion. Yeah, but that, that's the yeah exactly. Something like that you could uh, could uh, do because like what F. Gary Gray did with with Doctor J and them, we could I guess yeah. something like that. Um, yeah, yeah. As as that's as surprising his career. As I said, this a surprise he didn't really pull off any bigger projects, especially of his lead. As of yeah, late. yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I but, I agree, but yeah. I know. I guess he was satisfied where he was, or maybe not. But we can't really say. But for now, yeah. Right. I mean. His legacy will live on, you know, Boise Hood. So one of the great movies, like, yeah. of the 90s, in my opinion. Um, right. And, yeah, just his other works, you know, have a lot yeah, I mean, going I mean, on with that. Yeah. It was nominated, eh? so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Exactly. It was, yeah. It, was, it was like no slouch thing. I forget what he lose to. What did he lose to that year? Uh, he lost to Jonathan Demi for, or Dem, right? For Silence of the Lambs. Right. Exactly. <sighs> I mean, who would have thought, right? Like, like, <laughs> Yeah, that's huge. That was like a real hard year. Now. That would have been next to impossible to win anyway. You could have yeah. it was like a real big masterpiece to come out with. But yeah, being nominated was it's still like a, a big deal. And, you know, so, yeah. Yeah. All right. So um, along with John Singleton's passing, um, this is even more ironic too because this 
We got the news of this, I think it was roughly two or three days before May the 4th, right? If you know May the 4th, if you know your, your geek culture, yeah. you know May the 4th be with you, you know Star Wars Day. Uh, yeah. Peter Mayhew, you know, who, yes. who yeah, actor who played one of my all-time yeah. favorite characters in the Star Wars yeah. universe, Chewbacca, a.k.a. Chewie, yes. a.k.a. Yes. Like, I just yeah. love that character. For the first time I ever saw him yeah. in the first movie back in 1977, I thought he was a great character. <laughs> Uh, I, I loved his his uh, his trill or whatever you call it, uh, yeah. which yeah, if you read it up, is a combination of different animal sounds, yada yada. But just what know. he brought as a character, you know, just so unique. Like you've never seen a character this like personally, well, I've never seen a character that, ever in my life. Well, people underestimate how subversive Star Wars is, eh? um, you know, and in terms of its its construction and makeup, you know, especially right. to what that, what before that, and uh, yeah, to, to, uh, Chewie is a character who's who's uh, who's exemplify that because you have this character who's literally look to me the character when if you if, if you were to if i don't know what star wars was or anything like that and you just show me something like chewy i would immediately think he's a villain or a yeah. monster or something that the hero has to kill yeah and it's like he's a good guy sidekick and he's like a really tech good technical like person like i never that at the time like it was a kid i never get a sense that oh yeah it have like engineers and and people who don't look human who just like living their life out now or it's yeah. like technical. Because Chewie just doing the ship. Chewie repairs the ship. And exactly. He's always repairing the ship. He's always flipping switches with Han Solo and all that stuff. There, you know. Pilot? Yeah. It's like, wait, that's a cool pilot. Well, would. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, stuff like that. And um, yeah, yeah. You know, Mayhew. Well, I, I don't know Mayhew's um his career other than Chewie in terms of like whatever uh, big people he play. You know, he's unusually tall from what I understand. You know, because of his height. Well, I'm not sure if it's if he has any a growth issue or anything like that, but you just he's a he's a told um, yes yes yeah. So I'm not sure if that affected us or if that was relevant at all. I I no idea. I have done any research on this man's life, <laughs> sadly. Um, yeah. and he you know, yeah. So I you know that's all I know him for. I just I couldn't talk about Chewie and how he felt, how the character felt. But yeah, to, to see to hear this news, this news was, was was sad news as well to hear. Yeah, it was. Um. As only well, like recently, I was reminded that his last appearance, like on screen, was for Force Awakens. You know, because well, right, actually, okay. somebody else played him in um, Last Jedi and Solo: A Star Wars Story. Yeah, right, right, right. Yeah. Okay, so. so it's kind of like one of those sesquipedal things where like the original voice actor not there, but they bring in somebody else right. to kind of fill in that 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 space, basically. So it's like that. Right. But yeah, like I said, right. you know, he was just one of my favorite characters for the show. Um, I just love how he just worked together with um, with Han Solo. You know, he was just that yeah. one who kind of called him out. He should like, you know, be like that. Yeah. You know, it was like that. Was like just, chewy, just, you know. Yeah, just two guys who, right? Just kind of, yeah. He just like for honest, he just bust hand chops on it when time the time come now because like Ham. And that's another thing I liked about it that it, it come across like, wait, Chewie is like the more cautious, careful one. Wait, is Chewie the straight man in this? You're wondering, no? Yeah. yeah. The, and Han Solo is the clown, no? I'm like, oh, okay. And, then, you know, that little dynamic in your head, you know, at the time, it's like, oh, that like, really innovative and clever, though, as, as a yeah. premise, no? At least mainstream-wise, like, for me, you know, not as a kid, I, I wasn't that exposed to a lot of, like, sci-fi books or anything like that. All I had was the mainstream stuff, sci- uh, you know, Star Trek, Star Wars, right. um, you know, at best, a couple cartoons, maybe Galaxy Rangers or something like that. Um, oh, yeah, Galaxy Rangers was, was life back then. <laughs> right. But yeah, exactly. But it, the point is, you're not like you're not that that premise was new to you know that oh aliens and aliens that look like that could look like normal dudes and be like just a guy living his life, <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. not you know not some monster that you need to slay, not that bullshit, right? So exactly, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, and another thing I really did like about 
well, Chewbacca on screen, though, was a movie that I still defend to this day. Uh, episode 3, Revenge Sith. That scene where they were I, in the Wookiee planet and you saw other Wookiees, basically, right? And then there was that one shot yeah. where you were just like, you know, um, farewell Chewbacca. That was like a great line. It was like, holy shit. Like, yeah. you were always like, when you saw Chewbacca for like the first, like, three movies and such, like the original trilogy, you always yeah. think that, oh, well, he's the last of his kind or he's just this one alien yeah, right. and he doesn't have family and whatnot. Like, I never bothered to watch the holiday special i heard that's like one of the worst experiences ever but i don't yeah. know if his family i think they had like his family like his wife and kid in there but i don't want to think about that shit the point well, is you never it, think about a wookie planet and others like right it. if i remember correctly that that scene at the end of revenge sit with the with the warfare with the one wookie planet of kashik if i remember correctly it was supposed to be the big final battle in return of the jedi um but they changed the name from instead of wookies you have ewoks and it just so happened that i see i saw you pronounce the name backwards so oh yeah, derp. <laughs> I don't and know why. Course, I don't know. Look at the way sell toys and Ewoks look cute. Although personally, I know, I know, some people might like this, but I, I really don't fucking care about Ewoks at all. <laughs> yeah, <but laughs> I, 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 I get the purpose, like the day, and it's supposed to look cute. But like, why, why should I care? I don't yeah, care I about these motherfuckers. Sorry. Yeah, but the fans hated it. Like a lot of people at the time hated it because the the analogy or the allegory or whatever it is was supposed to be the Vietnam War. So the, the, the idea was, oh, well, you have a less advanced uh, race taking on a more technologically superior race with guerrilla tactics and warfare. That was the idea. Right. right. Oh, well, well, that makes sense, too. And remember, well, in the 80s, uh, Vietnam War films were, yeah, were Vietnam- shit. They were popular, right? Right, pretty much. That was the, the scenario there. That, that, that's what, what, what Lucas was going for. Um, yeah, but not. Yeah, but I think it's just the probably toys thing. Eh? Whatever, I don't know. Yeah, but to me, to me, Wookie, Wookiees at the end of Return of the Jedi would make more sense to me. But whatever. I know, right? Like, yeah, not <laughs> not not seeing what? you can't introduce new characters in your last in the in the third part of your trilogy. But yeah, you have you have a Wookiee though. Like, like, come on, do something with that. Like, yeah, they were wait till when twenty fifteen or whatever it was. Or, um, yeah, t- sorry, two thousand five when Revenge of came out, right? So whatever. But yeah, mm-hmm. um, yeah, this this was a, a huge loss. Not just for the Star Wars world, but just for for geek culture in general. Though, um, I mean, like I didn't know him in other films though, but he was That's just it, always yeah. synonymous with Chewbacca, which is not a bad thing in my opinion. I mean, he he, right. he do what he had to do. He, he is an icon now, even though he's well dead and gone. And yeah, rest in peace to Peter uh, to Peter Mayhew, man. Yeah, man. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, in general right. news now. Well, general, just a, just a mention, a couple of geek news thing. Where we are you know, to use, I'm just using the joke now because this joke going to be spreading on the internet soon. We are in the spend game now. Uh, Avengers Endgame is like doing an insane amount of cash and two most like billion. Yeah, yeah, like I just read that before we met up online. Two billion, yeah. like yo, yeah. and in and less than two weeks, sir. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And we could, we could we could easily pass Avatar in terms of the final count, so. Um, as I say, we're in the spend game now. So, yes. see, if, if 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 nerds can't go today, we need to like make this happen. Um, you know, Avatar is one of these movies. You know, it's it's one of these movies you never talk about. True. It, you although, although about. I I I still like it and enjoy it as a yeah. James Cameron film. Oh, okay, and so more, less, but I don't hate the film as that, some people do. If I remember correctly, it's one of these little, little interesting things that you could have written intelligently. Yes, like, agreed. Like agreed. in a deeper movie, but they yeah. decide to go market, which I look. I you know I, I cannot go on beyond that point of being. Oh well, we need to stop selling out. That, that bullshit. Look, if you have to sell out, 
gifts, right? But you, you know, you could still tell a good story at the same time, right? Yeah. Um, but it is one of those movies that just went on packaging historically. Because all it all it was was at the time it was oh, it was just about being the first movie that really utilized 3D well. Yes. But that was a big innovation of it. Yes. Um, but the story itself is really forgettable. And only be- it's only because people mention it. When they mention it, then I just mention it. It's like, it's a movie nobody's talking about, think about. Like, I can imagine fans, you know, talking about it in the future. But because of the nature of the story and how derivative it was, uh, um, it's just something that just never come on. It never come on going through. I remember, I remember enjoying it. I remember having big arguments about the world building. Because the big sticking point for a lot of us, and my, me and my friend was arguing about the biology. Like how the biology of this, you know, that moon does work now. You know, oh, okay. you know yeah. I thought, I thought it was about the, well, okay, see, well, now I forget the name of the people <laughs> on the planet, um, on the, the, the blue yeah, people, the Swifts, right, yeah. yeah um, I, I, I thought it was like yeah. their biology, not so much the moon itself. Well, just all of the moon. Well, the moon itself, because it had this like network of thing, this, uh, this network called AR, AWAR around it, now remember that. This kind of psychic, kind of weird network thing. And then it had the, just the biology of the moon, meaning that all the animals and plants and, you know, all the little, little insects and shit you used to see around the thing. And we saw have arguments. Hey, how could that exist? Or why does that exist? Is it just done for, for sure? Or was there any kind of thought behind it um, in terms of the, the, the creative design? And for one, the had some thought behind it. And, and I yeah. remember some, a couple, like you could find videos of probably a handful. Of, I don't know if you could find them now, but. Uh, videos of these guys of just talking about all right well this is sexual selection and this is this kind of thing and this is this kind of Baldwin theory or something like that and explaining this part and the only thing that was the kind of the stretch was the AWA concept itself um this kind of weird psychic creature you know entirely governing the planet are kind of similar to what Gaia the yes, concept yes. of Gaia is on um mm-hmm. yeah but I don't know is this one of the side fights I really can't remember watching it more than once Frankly, I, like, I I saw it twice and then uh well ha, well kind yeah. of currently have the the bootleg DVD to it because um they had right. the extended cut of it which okay. was just exactly that just more scenes added to it but I enjoyed right. it for the most part but the thing is with with that movie is that I know James Cameron to be such a perfectionist right which is the reason right. why we still haven't got Avatar two he keep teasing us with this but he'll stop and right. say hey a Terminator movie's coming out and I like it right ah but yeah, yeah but right. um I, I don't know like. I just wish that as far as world building and characterization goes, I can remember it more than I do. Like Terminator 2, for example, which I still yeah. see is the best action movie of all time. I stand by that. Yeah. You know, there was so much characterization and world building there and so much moments that you remember. And Avatar is just the spectacle of it all. And of course, the use right. of CG and the, well, let's extend the music and stuff. But I, you know, it is what it is, man. Yeah. I just remember it being, being a thing like, um, I remember this one. No, I, I remember what I hated about it. I hated the fact that I thought the guy being the um with his with his big flying creature when we tamed the bird, the giant bird thing. I yes. thought that should have been a big surprise at, at the end. That should have been it. Um, oh, it's okay. actually it's kind of weird that that this movie get makes so much money, but it's so memorable. Like he, he what what people think James Cameron understand. He just have his finger on the pulse in terms of like economic dynamics. Like he doesn't know how to play. The letters of the game rather than the spirit of the game in terms of me. Like, he's a good filmmaker, no doubt, but he you knows to time movies and make it work in terms of when it should be released. And, like, he just understand Hollywood, um, you know, economics way better than most people. So, he just know to exploit the system in that way. Um, yeah. And that's why these movies make so much money. It's just timing of, of geopolitical, you know, global economics and, and who, which markets go and open up and when and these kind of things. And he just learned to drop a movie in the right time 
and you know yeah just good timing that 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 movie did so well but you know same thing with um with, with titanic titanic come out in a real weird time as well now i mean it's like yeah. a kind of alchemy more than a you know that's the thing with film, filmmaking it's more alchemy than chemistry like you, you have all these factors that can go into its mega success yeah. um and, but anyway and yeah as, you, as just, I mentioned titanic you know just look at the that it's a blockbuster that got right. nominated for so much awards and won like a majority of them yeah. including best picture yeah. So it's like yep. during like that era, that late nineties era of blockbuster filmmaking, like you know stuff like uh, I don't want to say Batman <laughs> from back in ninety five, but yeah, that was the highest grossing movie of that year, believe it or not, right? Yeah. But we're talking about like Independence Day and Men in Black. So this movie came yeah. out in nineteen eighty seven, and then having those big leads who big at the time, well, you know, yeah. well, hot looking and whatnot, um, right. you know, it was just it just came out at the right time now, you know. So yeah. with but Avatar, it, but... I remember it coming out like two thousand nine. So it's like at the cusp of. Well, this yeah. is the next generation of VFX yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah. That's right after Lord just, of the Rings I, and all that stuff. Well, I was sure. well, to me, my, my, my perspective is just, you know, who's seen it and where now. And 1997 right. is also one of those blow-up periods in terms of, like, let's call it, you know, flattening of the world, right? This this opening of things that are making things fair and who, who have what spending power and whatnot now. Right. Uh, in terms of just global audiences now. And both films came out just at the right time for that. 1997 was a year like that. Because everybody's talking about the year 1996. 1996 is the year, um, the first year, people talk, say 1996 is the first year of the 21st century. And what I mean by that is all the technologies that, you know, govern our world today, or at least govern our world, you know, you know 12, 20 years prior or so around that time, uh, yeah, was, came out in 1995 and 1996. So him starting Titanic, conceiving it, bringing it out, and then fulfilling it in the way he did for it to come out in 1997 was, yeah, like, kind of perfect timing there. Uh, yeah, right. James Cameron, kind of man who really, yeah, let's admit it, he is the one, he's the one who have the most toys, right? Um, <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> yeah, you know, your man went down in the, in the bottom of the ocean and things several times, all kind of shit like that, so. Um, I still, I don't like I, I deny him as a filmmaker or anything like that, but it's the mega success he understands. Yes. Um, yeah, Avengers and Game Pass Titanic, so it's close. We'll see. Yeah, close yeah. And, and I have a feeling James Cameron will be like, all right, round of applause, guys, round of applause. Avatar 2 coming up one day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Have fun, right? Have fun. <laughs> yeah, but you might so we enjoy. Because the problem yeah. is that it's the reason why, you know, these, these movies tap into something that he'd already have advantage of in terms of that, you know, historical context. Um, you know, these Marvel movies have a big, bigger, it's have a reason why these Marvel movies you do such a bigger push now, rather than him now. Yeah, um, exactly. It's, it's more about the, the name itself and not the spectacle. Yeah. Like, when you hear Avatar, and yeah, this is before the Avatar series came out, right? It's okay. like, Avatar, what? Okay. Sam, Sam Woodington, who? Right. Zoe Zaldana, who? Uh, well, <laughs> when you see the visuals, when you see trailers, it's like, oh, okay, now I want to see this shit. Word, right? Yeah, big, big part of this was just the whole... You know, well, the nature of the story itself, I think, was this truly universal story, the the, the anti-colonialist message and all of that stuff. Now. I yes, think that's yeah. why it blobbed the way it did. Um, yeah. That's why I think it blobbed the way it did. Um, right. so, even though the movie don't have a, you know, big lasting cultural thing, but it didn't have any fans per se, because it's like, that was kind of part of the message, I suppose, maybe. Yeah, I but there are people that will still do the cosplay, right? They'll be like, oh yeah, that's from, right, right Avatar, right. Okay, right. cool. Uh, speaking of, of, of blockbusters and costly and all that good stuff, right? I don't want to stay too long on this, boy, because, um, yeah, boy, just right after hearing the death of, of John Singleton, yes, I had to drop this. 
not saying it's on Paramount's fault, but God boy, that that's Sonic the Hedgehog trailer that dropped by um, right yeah. Tuesday. Well, last Tuesday time is recording here. Yeah. Uh, let, let me just share my thoughts on it quickly. Um, that was a piece of shit. Didn't care yeah. for it at all. Like I was, I was here into the grapevine, the digital grapevine that we were getting a Sonic movie. I saw a couple of posters, which actually was a real thing. I thought it was just some mock-up posters that they create, but I didn't really care for it that much. But seeing it right. for myself, I was like, why? Why? What? 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 What is this? Why does this exist? I don't understand this. What is this right. shit about? But but Sonic coming to our world, although you yeah. could kind of tell they were going to go that route anyway, because it's modern Hollywood. That's how it is. Yeah, um, they, so... they, they had my James Madsen, which is funny because sure. he was in a show a, a few years ago called Hop. And they actually have this shot where it's like right. him in a car with something right. similar yeah. to that one with the, with the Easter, uh, Easter bunny. Um, yeah. But when I saw, no, when I saw Jim Carrey dread, I was like, all right, you're, you're really going um, 90s? Are you going back with this? Because he is playing yeah. literally friggin' East Ventura. Not the mask, yes. mind you, East Ventura. That whole, something like this. Well, yeah, yeah. you know, that kind of crazy wordplay that which, he was doing. I, which is the only party trail I enjoy, yeah, to be fair. Um, I, I was annoyed by that. The whole, right. I was like, yeah. no, Jim, 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 yeah. you, 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 we, we gone past this, Jim, gone past this. I know your past few films was kind of shit, but we know that you're not going back to that whole 90s era anymore. That We, we, grow, we grow past that. I know you did too. I know you kind of regret yeah. doing it, but hey, man, I had to make some money, right? Whatever. But I feel real sorry, boy, as a, as a, as a Legends of Tomorrow fan, boy, to see Neil McDonough uh, in this. McDonough in this. I was like, oh my God, they got huge right. to get in this, boy. Oh, Lord. Lord, no. <laughs> but, we had to talk about this moment quick, Jed. Coolio Gangsters Paradise. Yeah, what do you All these songs, all you could pick. Like, all you could pick, Where Are Yankovic's Amish Paradise. But you all had to pick Gangsters Paradise. To me, they could have gone, the song they could have picked was, you know, remember Michael Jackson at Speed Demon? Yes, yes, yes. Don't mind that it is song and I know they. I, 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 so I get, I get with Sonic, I get with this movie. They're trying to go '90s with it, kinda, but I don't mind. Like Speed Demon is still a great song from the bad, um, from the bad um, album. It will right. work, right? And no, but, but the thing is, Michael Jackson did music for Sonic the Hedgehog in Sonic Three. You could die like oh, he has a history. He like did. he did, right? Yes, he actually did music for Sonic Three. So I don't understand. You know where where they was doing or why they are they gonna pick? They had, I mean, that's so many other songs they could have picked from. But whatever. My yeah, thing here's my but why? Is, why? Yeah, was, but, well, sorry to cut you there, but why a song right that was used in a movie back in nineteen ninety five called Dangerous Minds, Kids Axe Parents, right? I think yeah. that was like the one reason why I watched that movie. The only thing I remember from the movie because yeah, the movie is forgettable. Sorry, it is. No offense to Michelle Pfeiffer, but the movie is kind of forgettable. Um, but yeah, that song was. Not the, it's not the grimiest song that, that Coolio ever made, believe it or not. But it was grimy enough for that movie. It was grimy enough for 95. Like, we were bumping we heads to that shit, Jed. Like, when that Stevie Wonder sample coming in the chorus, it was hard, Jed. Like, how, who yeah. do you think, like, years later, we see in this far movie about a friggin' high-speed running hedgehog? Right. Come on. No, it's, it's literally like if, like if, a, like a, a AI that don't that never live, or somebody who just didn't understand the '90s at all decided to like do that. Like it, that's what it is. Oh well, this is a song in the '90s, so we'll take that song. It's like yeah, but the song had nothing to do with, <laughs> with Sonic too. 
Exactly. Like and uh-huh. uh, just to talk about that, this one last thing I want about the song, right? The moment that slapped me to my face, right? Now you know we we how trailers are right now. We don't do the 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 voiceover stuff anymore, except for like honest trailers, right? Props um props to, to honest trailers for keeping that 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 legacy strong, right? But you know there's moments in a song where they'll pause it and then they will do the kind of shepherd stone the that kind of thing. So the moment where where Sonic stop and start to grab missiles and start to blow them up, like drumming them yeah, and stuff. Exactly. So the beat kind of stops for him to do that. Yeah. I was like, God damn it. Yeah. You're, you're, just, you're just destroyed that song in that one moment. That one moment. Like, hey, any beat was one thing, but when I had to pause it to do that moment, I was like, God, bro. God. Yeah. yeah. Um, but let me talk about Jim Carrey quickly, right? So he's playing Dr. Ivo Robotnik. So I'm sorry, I'm yeah. not the biggest... Man, yeah. uh, I'm not the biggest uh, Sonic fan. I remember the cartoon being yeah. a thing back in the days. But okay, casting wise, I get you know he's a crazy comedic guy. You know he did play Riddler back in '95. God, '95 right. was just such a great year. But it really does feel like like Jim Carrey just either they just needed some name to get people to to come to the audience, or he was just like, well, you know what? Try the dramatic stuff for a few years. People not fucking with it, so well, I mean, people go back to crazy, kooky characters. Ooh, I, you know. I, I, I thought we were gonna put him in a or something, um, you know, involved with with that. But um, because the final shot has him look looking more accurate, yes, to the yes. character with the, with the goggles and the huge mustache. Like I don't know why he's looking like that. Yeah, um, I don't know why they make that out to be a big thing. Like why not have it in the middle of the trailer, not at the very right. end? I, I don't know. So right. they, yeah, I don't get it. because to me. He did not have it at all in the trailer and then show it to the movie. So it's like, oh, okay, we, you know, he's looking like the character, finally. Um, or something like that. Okay, here's what I think happening with this. I, it's basically the Smurfs thing all over again. Same bullshit. Where yeah. Sonic, he's from a different world, and then he forever recently come get sent to Earth, and he had to get back, right? And they had to do all the fish, the water, fish out of water bullshit. But then, you know, Dr. Rotnik from Earth, and then for, for whatever reason, at the end of the movie, he's going to be roped, he's going to be... Um, sucked in and get sent to wherever Sonic Will is and that'll be the template for the sequel. So the sequel is going to be more like what the story should be. Where So anybody ever watch, if you ever watch a show called Sonic Satam or Sonic Satam, that show was pretty, in my opinion, pretty good. Like in terms of world building and structure. And it was always kind of weird that Robotnik was the only human in this world. Like, well, right. it's a bunch of other games that have other humans. Like that one where he, he was in love with a princess. It was weird. Whatever. Um, but the thing is, to me, that's why I think they're going to do with it. So the first, this first thing, um, is that's what's going to, they're going to do with it. Like, it's going to be that story. So that's why you'll justify why you're going to look like that and whatnot. Now, here's the big, here's where the real teachable moment is. Apparently, um, he, the people complain about the look and then the, either the director or somebody along the line say, well, we're going to change it's the It's the look. director. It's the director, Jeff Fowler. Right. Now, that sounds like complete bullshit, because... <laughs> you find so? We, I was shocked, even, actually. I was like, wait, no, in, in 2000... In, sorry, in 2019, I, that that possible? Like, a well, man could actually look at the negative response to that trailer and be like, all right, cool, I don't like the design. All right, I'm going to change it. Okay, sorry. Right. Now, here, yeah. That's why, here, why it sounds like bullshit. Two reasons. One, we already knew or had a workable sense of what it looked like long before that. And, you know, he, he, I really do the internet bullshit thing by saying, all right, well... We could put this out and then the internet go make a more cartoon accurate version or something like that. Everybody go praise that. And then we he go change it to that. So, and then he still pour the trailer to piss people off. 
and then still say, oh, you're going to change it after the fact. I get the feeling that what it might do is in the alternate world, if there's any small change you're going to make in the alternate world of, of where Sonic come from, it'll look more cartoon accurate. Right. Then when he come here, it's going to look weird because like for whatever reason he come here, he's look like that here. And so then when it's kind of like the Aladdin thing in a sense, kind of, with the no, design. Right. But, but, but the change, they just change, they just change they might change a tiny part of the work. You're not doing no such a different work. You know, like the story done. Like at most, I think they have to render and the mere fact we get a trailer, that means that they ain't going to change that much from the trailer other than scenes. Like, but the, the whole look itself, guys, I feel they're trying to do a bait and so true it now. I yeah. feel they're trying to do it. And in the alternate world, so the, the mere fact Dr. Rod Botnick looks so different in the end because he's in the other world. And Sonic looks more cartoon accurate. That's why Dr. Robotnik looks more accurate as well. Right, right. Oh, okay, okay, that, 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 that actually makes sense, you know what I mean? Because I don't expect them to have to go back and have to redo and then go shot to shot and change everything up. No, man. Right, exactly. They won't, I, highly doubt they, I mean, they still could do that. And if they do that, that is a whole drama by itself. And it's a deeper drama we could talk about. Um, but no, I've, what I feel they're doing is, you see, we started to enter the Travis Knight age of geekdom, where you have a bunch of guys saying, all right, let's like, like, do this quote-unquote geek shit properly. You know, so what Travis Knight did for Transformers... Um, and Bumblebee. With, with Bumblebee, right. Right. We go get for, you know, the Sonic franchise in a sense. Like, we're not, we're not going to have this messed up version, like, where they fuck, how they fuck up Garfield or how they fuck up the Smooths, right? Like, right. You remember, they also did the Smooths more accurately to what they should have done with the third Smooths movie, but by then, no one cared. Um, <laughs> exactly, yeah. Yeah, the third Smooths movie is, is what it should, what the first Smooths movie should have been. Same thing. Um, that's what I feel going on with this. It's a big, it's a big bait and switch. That's right. what, that's my, 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 my internet speculation about it. That's what I feel gonna happen. But that, but is how do how are they gonna do the beta switch is the catch now? Yeah. Um, um, yeah, yeah, for me it's just this is the most bullshit all over again. As I said, if they're changing the whole film or if they're doing a lot more work on the film, uh that's gonna be a real teachable moment in terms of well, visual effects artists and how much money they're getting. Because visual effects artists is probably the most exploited people in the whole industry at this point, I'll argue. I, I, uh, I could I could I could imagine. Yeah, yeah, it's how us like these drama stories just keep coming back up. But right now, just game developers in the game industry is a whole piece of drama in terms of whether or not they could unionize or not. But we, I'm pretty sure, effects, um, visual effects artists, not, um, not, not unionize at all. So yeah. it, that's a drama that might play itself out if they have to do a sort of extra work. Um, right. Especially, well, he's what six months away, so I feel a brave with it. I'm right, sure we go see. Um, yeah. As I said, I think it's just a big bait and switch, personally. Um, but you notice we didn't see tails or anything like that, you know. Like, no, no, just no. probably alone, but I, we might, I get the feeling that, uh, I'm not sure, well, I get the feeling a lot, most of the movie might be inside the world, but you have a bunch of other things, like characters, like apparently Sonic could use the rings as a portal. That's what catching me. Yeah, that, yes. that, 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 that shit kind of weird, I don't understand that. <laughs> yeah, like, I, that was yeah. never fun. Well, uh, it could be a thing because in some versions of Sonic, I think in Sonic 3, if you have 50 coins, you could go through giant rings as a portal to the bonus level. So I don't know if that is what they're referencing. Right. Yeah, so whatever. Uh, yeah. I, uh, last thing I just want to say about, about this trailer here, what makes it funny is that this month we're supposed to gain Pokemon Detective Pikachu. Right. right? Um, so, so, you know, a lot, a lot of people just say, well, yeah, clearly... Detective Pikachu is going to be so much better because look at 
well, not just the design of Pikachu, but how they incorporate the Pokemon's Pokemon, sorry, um, yeah. into this world, you know, in the world building and stuff like that. In this case here is, well, at least what, from what I got out of, the, out of it, is video game character thrown into our world, not, you know, different unique world populated exactly. with these characters, so it's, it's exactly. different. Yeah. But I don't buy this guy, help but look at Pikachu and be like, yeah, this is going to be the, the superior movie. But I hear some reviews saying it's kind of so-so, but I don't right. know, we'll see, but. I don't right, know. I was just right. watching this history. I was like, I, I can't watch this shit like again ever. They, they really pictured Gangsters Paradise. Uh, yeah, I feel so sorry for the for the for the youngsters who hear this song for the first time. Unlike people <laughs> like us who saw the music video and thought, oh shit, well now we have to watch Dangerous Minds, even though we forget that yeah. movie now. But yeah, boy, uh, I don't know. That's yeah, a sad state of affairs in Hollywood, boy. But. I didn't want, I to, want to come and say leave leave particular video game characters alone. Can we no, but it, now this movie is coming out for like right. years now, so it's like, well, it's only a matter of time before the end, right? So, whatever. No, but I feel, as I say, I feel, I feel this. I think, I think we're going to do the Travis Knight. You're going to do a bait and switch with this. I feel so, and then the movie going to be like a lot more accurate to the to the games than we think it is. Because to me, Sonic Saturn and a couple of the enemies aren't that bad. Um, you know, the Jelly White. Cartoon was, was yeah, it's actually a pretty decent show. It had a bunch of cool characters. Um, Doctor Robotnik looked cool. It had a lot of great art style and look and vibe to it. So I just look up Sonic Satam intro on on YouTube and just tell me if that wasn't pretty awesome. It's like yeah, this is what you had to get from the show. Like uh, uh want to see what they're gonna do with this. It's like oh, we're just gonna get straightforward bullshitting with James Martin and then you have a bunch of dumb jokes, him sneaking around and some lame shit. No? Like I hope a very little part of the movie is that. I really hope they distract us with it. Most likely it's not, but we'll see. All right. Uh, speaking of animated animals, now we're going to make a little transition from YouTube to Netflix. We're going to talk about season one of Tuka and Bertie. And right. uh, well, I'll, I'll just do like a quick little like, run through of what the show is about, right? But uh, right. before I do that, so right off the bat, like if you saw like a picture or like just uh, the trailer itself, it's a TLC, you will take off one show, and that is Bojack Horseman. Which is funny because right. it is from the same production team. The Tornant, whatever you call it, company, uh, Boxer versus Raptor, nah, 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 all that stuff. So, yeah, yeah it's them again. Um, yeah, it's a Shadow Machine and them, right? So. Yeah, Shadow Machine and those folks. Yeah. Um, and basically, what it is about, it's about, it's about these, um, these two birds, these two female birds in the 30s. Um, one is, well, Tuka, who's a Tukan. Uh, she he, she is voiced by Tiffany Haddish, perfect right. casted I would say. Um, but I'll talk about why I I think it, it is perfect casted, why some people might like that character, but I'll get to that in a bit. Uh, also, well, she has a friend. Her name is Bertie. She well Bertie Song Trush. She's a Robin. She's played by yeah. Ali Wong, who admittedly, Roberta. yeah, sorry, Roberta, but you know her nickname is Bertie. Yeah. yeah, she's played by Ali Wong, who um, honestly I'm not too completely like i don't know all of her work like i know she does stand up and whatnot and she appeared in a couple of like um comedies and whatnot but then that like like if you see name ali wong i'll be like wait she's from what again you know i mean that kind of thing now so i wouldn't know her as much as tiffany haddish right um and booty's boyfriend (laughs) is uh well his name is speckle he's played by steven yuen quite excellently as well too well just right off the body voice acting is excellent in this but yeah uh, <laughs> and 
really what this show is about, like at first you take it, it's kind of like a, a, a broad city, right? It's about the, that's, it's, the elevator, that's the elevator pitch, right? I mean, yeah, yeah, that's it, pretty much it's, 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 a, it's an animated version of, of Broad City, basically. Yeah, yes, but broad, broad City meets Bojack Horseman, and yes. just a little more surreal. Um, yeah, it's in it's at first I was, I was warning if it was within the same universe as uh, right. as Bojack because it's one yeah. scene, like I don't want to spoil it, right? Where you see a picture of a dog character, and for the life of me, I was like. Wait, don't yeah, tell me that, that, that was Peter Butter though. But I right. paused it. I was like, no, that's not him. That's not him. Yeah, the main reason why the main reason why the show I don't think the show is the same world is because it it it, it bring in a bunch of other um agents, let's like just call them agents, that those didn't have any evidence that they existed in, in Bojack. Because in Bojack it's all animals. Whilst in this you see plants and sometimes other animated inanimate objects becoming a walking about and having lives. Yes, yes. Uh, 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 so it's like that. And the show. The show is admittedly a lot more surreal than Bojack. Yeah, like by far it, it more. It is surreal. by far. It is weird. Yeah. It is crazy surreal, but in a in a great way. Um, yeah. I would say that like for animation buffs, as in people who just love the art of animation, this yeah. will be right up your alley. Like if you just love to see, you know, just car this. You know, this animated character is being all weird and tricky yeah, and whatnot. This yeah, this but, stretching yeah. the levels of animation. This is right, right up your alley. But really, yeah. what this show is about, though, this is what caught me by surprise. Because, you know, it's you take it Bojack Horseman, you're expecting this thing to be dark. And it do go dark, but not as dark as all that. Uh, but really, the, what this show... Have, yeah, you know, they have a couple moments that really, like, was emotionally kind of, you know, you know gripping. But uh, I, uh, I can't say it ever got that dark. Yeah, um, like, like for example, I was war- like I was thinking, all right, we reach episode nine. If you do right. your Bojack, all right, episode nine is where things gonna get like really dark. But yeah, yeah. it's not dark, but it's very emotionally impactful. There's like yeah. one or two moments where it's like, oh, it kind of veers into dark territory, but not right. too much. Right. It's enough to be like, oh, this is why but you I, should I, care I, about this character more now. How like there's one scene? Well, I, I don't well, I don't know if you want to spoil it, but there's one scene that I thought was like, oh shit, that that happened. Now. Yeah, um, yeah, well, that that's what I was referring that, to. Right, I don't think, yeah, I don't think... Yeah, um, but it just kind of stopped it there, so... I don't think it's yeah. really for you to, to use the imagination, but what I get is that the character ran away. That's, like, the only spoiler I could give from that situation, right. and that just affected right, 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 um, forward. Right. Right. Uh, so, um, as I kind of, you know, kind of given off there, uh, the show... Well, at least at first, it taken Bertie as the character, the only character in the show... Who is dealing with um with social anxiety, with more insecurity about herself and how right. people look at her. At first they take it, oh, it's just a character, she's just afraid of things and whatnot. There's even one episode where she goes into like a supermarket and she's just like flipping out and freaking out about all these people around her. But okay. then in the second half where where they do go deep into her character and her past, you understand why she is that way. And then it also relates to what's going on because uh, while well, she's working at this big company, but she has a you know a talent for the culinary arts and whatnot. So she gets this right. side job basically working at this um, bakery, and there's something going on with the owner of the of the bakery. Right. Like he has these, Which, like he's you know kind of hint that sexual advances towards her and whatnot. Well, it's, it's, and, yeah, it's a little bit, but it's, it's more like a power power thing rather than right, right, outright. But it was yeah, but, but which I thought was a bit rushed at point. The pace in the data fine could have built itself up a little better. Yeah, they could have um, but developed it a little bit more. Like I'm not saying right. go Bojack Dark and explore it, but right, right, enough right. for me to really hate the guy. Okay, this kind of came off like, 
oh, you did yeah. this. Oh, shit. You know, I hate you, blah, 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 right? But yeah, that's yeah, last thing I want to yeah, say. They had an extra character brought in to for just seems to be explicitly for that purpose. And, yeah, and they never and was, really they, they, they never really show a character again. After exactly. Yeah. Um, my last thing's last we, we we talking about Bertie and stuff like that. Um there's also the issue of um of Speckle, you know, who is an architect and it's this right. issue with him wanted to build a house, wanted to start a family with Bertie, you know, he's thinking so far ahead and Bertie's just the type of person or bird you could say, who's just like, Well, I kinda just wanna live in the moment. I can't I don't know what's gonna happen in the future. I don't know if we're gonna be married or have kids, all that kind of stuff. But he just take it far ahead, yeah. and just kind of affects the relationship. But the the, the one thing though, um, and I thought, well, I'm glad that they actually kind of develop a character a lot more. Cause I didn't want her to just be this loud, mouth black character. Of course, I talk about Tuka. Yeah. It's just the idea, just similar to um, specifically like the final season of of uh, of Broad City, right? Where it's like, you know what? I just don't want to grow up. I don't want to be. Right. You know, yeah. I know I have responsibilities, but I don't really care about them because I just want to yeah, wild out and have fun. Elena from Broad City. Yes, yes, very, very similar, very loud mouthed, yeah. you know, sexually, yeah. you, you know, free and whatnot, you know, right. the life in the party, that kind of stuff. But there right. are moments which, yeah, did not expect, but I love that they do that. Where it's just like, yeah. well, even from the very beginning, it's like Bertie moving out from the apartment that they shared. She she living with mm-hmm. uh, with with uh, Speckle now and. She just trying to butt her way into it. So she literally kind of calls herself, yeah, she literally calls herself the third wheel and all this. But just like, right. well, look, she have to grow up, wisen up, kind of get your shit together, basically. And yeah, right. that's pretty much what Tuka and Bertie uh, is about. So uh, yeah, what, what, what are your thoughts on, on this? Um, yeah, on this um, it's, it's good, but it's not, it could have been better realized. Um, but it's good. I actually like it a lot for what, it, for what it's trying to do and say. Um, yeah, basically that's just that when I went start when I watched the first episode, I was like the straight up eleva- elevator pitch, which was um, you know Broad City meets Bojack Horseman. <laughs> that is what it was. Yeah, um, it's it's basically that, and it was going okay until they they feel like the last couple of episodes felt a little bit rushed because it's, it's a lot less material on Bojack. The episodes are a lot shorter. Um, it's you know on average it just you know. Half the material, and you get a feeling that they just have to rush out a bunch of stuff. Felt a lot of transitions. Like to me, the first episode felt like more like a solid product, and then all the and then this from the second episode, especially second to the fourth episode, felt more like pilots. Uh, oh, okay, okay. Yeah, you know, it had more transitions. Like you see, how Bojack does have these general transitions; they just had these generic animation transitions instead. Yeah, like I said, yes, Bojack yes. does have a scenario as a transition, showing the world and some bullshit going on in the world. They had yeah. very little of that in um little small things out I think. Um from from a characterization standpoint, I like I really like both characters. Uh Tuka and Bertie quite good. Um what they did with Tuka, I actually enjoyed a lot. Now a lot of the subtext of it uh, are not we probably hear a thing piece or two about this. But you know, it's implied that you know two cans are black people or something along the, like that. Um <laughs> Why they a, they, 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 they generally black, right? So Right, but yeah, they had a running bit with two other, like when he was in the house. Well, I forget his. Oh house. right, with her, with her, with her aunt. That was actually right. a great episode. Though. That, that yeah. one, I was, I was hoping that they would go into dark Bojack territory. They kind of do so near the end, but right. not enough though. But the no, payoff that, was that, great yeah. though. That 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 emo, that payoff that they do there, where um the aunt was like literally like just cussing out, like just saying, yeah. "Oh, no amount of nothing, blah blah blah." Like that that right. moment, I love. That was like straight right, up right. Bojack. Not, not I'm going to talk about the aunt after, but not the, not the aunt scene. It's, it's that scene after 
where they talk about all the, they show the other third wheels. And all the other third wheels were two cans as well. Oh, and right, right, right. Yeah. Those stuff like that. Um, and yeah, but right. So, to, yeah, to the point of the aunt, I thought that was pretty good. But it is more to do it well, what happened to the mother exactly? Because it's unclear. You know, I get a feeling they might get into a really genuinely dark territory about her memories of the mother because it's implied that the mother was not as loving as she making it out to be. No? Like, it's right. quite, quite possible that you know, the mother was a problem and was like really careless. No? And uh, they probably could touch up on that in season two. Most like, if they should, assuming the show gets season two. Um, I, 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 I hope so. It, it needs one. It, but, yeah. it, deserves, it deserves more. Like, I would like to see more of this will and more of these characters um, going forward. But anyway, yeah, the aunt, like, what they do with it, because they talk about the sister, and we see the sister at the end, and the sister, again, also kind of does a lot of shade again, so in terms of responsibility and whatnot. Um, but it, it, they apply the aunt six, so it's, it's like it, we're not sure whether they'll do the aunt going forward. Uh, but Tuka's arc, I think, works quite well in terms of like her not, um, yeah, they do not be responsible thing and just not gain a shit together eventually. And a lot of that works actually for what it is. Um, Bertie's yeah. quite, quite good. That arc works as well. But again, because it, it tied back to her because she was supposed to do something involving her career, well, involving the cooking side of her career. Yeah. Um, like when Tessa's in dinner, she didn't go because of this. And you know, they make it work, but then they decide to make the guy a creeper, which I, I expected them to do, but I didn't think they would do it in that way. And then they resolve it really quickly in the last half of the last episode. Of, yeah. Oh, well, how we beat them back? And we just, they come up with some internet plan, right? It's a plan right, that only right, yeah. works, right? Yeah. Um, so they, they, they kind of meet to him, and then they sell thing, and, you know, it all this, they spread it. Yeah, it, it, it just kind of wraps up a little too really. neatly, in my opinion. But I get the it, context of, like, well, Slight spoiler, it has to do with a particular holiday, so it's kind of like right. we have to do it like that. Um, on, on the subject of that, well, before we get back to you, right? Um, there's one scene, well, the, the, the one moment in the end where the two characters talk, right? And it's where they are in the shot. And like at first, I was, I, I didn't really think about it, it's only like when it ended, I was thinking about like, oh, that's kind of cool because you know, it's birds and it's nature. And how you know, like a bigger one of their species would move, right. just like that. Just, just that visual look of it. I thought was pretty, was pretty right. um, interesting. So yeah, yeah there's yeah, a lot of thought that goes into. That's just it, weird shit for the sake of being weird, you know. A lot less coherent than the BoJack universe. Like the BoJack universe have a logic to it at least. Um, yeah. In terms of who does what and where. In this, is like anything is anything. It have it, it have animals it. like animals. It have plants that are operate like like people. So one of the neighbors who's massager and do like she have an internet thing where she's pop pimple, pimples. Yeah, uh, that's that, 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 that whole planting caught me completely by surprise though. That like, was weird. But then I got this way I saw the the three teens who just like, hey, right. I love his shoes. <laughs> you know what I mean? The, the slackers. What make it funny is that because animals have a relationship to plants in terms of chemicals, like animals will like will rub off against plants or something like that just to get a particular high. And we right, get to see that. Right. Yeah. yeah, so that was that makes like, sense. That's, yeah. That's, that's, what I get, that, that's the context I was getting with that. Um, okay, okay. It doesn't really have much else um, to tell you the truth. It's, it doesn't go anywhere near as deep or as interesting as Bojack. Um, well, it's because it's less material on average, but it's still, it's still good. It's still a good show. I can't be mad at it. Um, but I, I would like it to see just a little more better conceived, better fleshed out. And I, 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 I could see. Um, you know, if it gets season two and they, they really sit down and fill it out, then it, it could work. But yeah, as it is, it, it's basically Broad City meets Bojack Horseman. Um, uh, just a light, more the lighter side of things. They don't get too deep or too dark. 
Yeah, but it's just there. It's just characters dealing with general anxieties and emotions, you know, in a modern millennial, you know, way, right? That's effectively what's going on. Um, exactly. In the, mid to, in the early to mid-30s, um, you know, having to suss out bullshit, right? And yeah, uh, voice acting was solid. Steven Yeun was quite good, I thought. Um, yeah, he, Ali- he was he was excellent in that though. I yeah. like I didn't know he that he had that much range though. Just being yeah, this pretty- well, re- I don't want to say wacky character, but like he he well, does pretty- get loony when he's ready. But there's even I- one episode where he's like flipping out. He's really pissed off, and even that yeah. and all was was so was just a strong moment. Because yeah. his voice acted. But yeah, I yeah. didn't think that he he had it. In, he had it in him. Sorry, he's like wait, hey, okay, yeah, okay, Steven, yeah. I would cool. Yeah, <laughs> And yeah. I, I, I dig it. I dig it for what it is. I didn't have any problems with the story. I thought it was just it was fine. Um, yeah. Yeah. All right. So, so quick thoughts on it, right? So, first off, it's just so funny that Broad City, you know, wrapped up, like, actually ended its series uh, about a month or so ago. So, and then, of course, we don't know when we're going to get season six of Bojack Horseman, right? So, this show kind of comes somewhere in the middle of that, you know what I mean? So, yeah. like, right after... You know, you're missing, you know, Broad City being on air and hoping for the next season of Bojack and kind of wondering if it's going to be the final season or not. I'm not too sure. It could be. Who knows? But yeah, so it just come, it just kind of kind of coming right snug in the middle there. Now. Um, first off, the animation, like I say, is just so vibrant and just so surreal and weird. But I was just loving it. At first, it was kind of like, okay, this is so real. <laughs> like this, this hyper-realized or hyper-weird version of what we what we normally see and accept with the Bojack Horseman series. But yeah. I just like how they just stretch everything. It's just like, all right, we're going insane here. We're going to have um, an apartment building with boobs because we could do that. We're actually going to show it at the very beginning of the, well, in the intro. We could do that, you know. Um, but yeah, that, that's what it is. They just let the imaginations run wild. And this is one thing I really like, like about the show, um, apart from the imagination stuff. Um, it's just a much lighter version of, Bojack Horseman period, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Bojack always has, like, even though it's weird and they have all these anthropomorphic characters, it's always kind of grown in reality. This one is just like this hyper-realized version of, you know, well, I guess, so, you know, New York, yeah, if we so, were to use Broad City as an example. Right. Yeah, yeah, it's feel like New York, uh, but with Bojack, the thing with Bojack is that Bojack just does a lot of references to the world in terms of history. Like, that's what yeah. Bojack is doing, but in, like, jokes about, you know, actual shit that happens, like, oh, Justin Timberlake and some joke about 2000s or some joke about the 90s or something like that. Exactly. Um, and this is just this. It's just, oh, well, this is what happened. We just assume it's the modern world because cell phones. Um, yeah. And apparently cell phones are also conscious. <laughs> you know? <laughs> well, yeah. that's what I want to bring up. Um, as, not, as, not as funny as Bojack in terms of like some of the great alliterative moments in Bojack or anything like that. It have like little, little side gags that are like, like the whole robot and his wife. I love that. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, that, that, that was funny. That was- um, yeah, there's a lot of great, great moments in this. The one really, when there was in the side, the weird egg place, um, with the in the with the with the with, with Tiffany Haddish character, no? and the guy. Oh, the, with the kind of glow worms kind of thing. Right, no, not that. Well, that, that was that was before talking about like the, the big meditative place where she had to be loud. Oh, oh, that be... one, right, right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they made the joke well, you know, we're gonna start our new group and gonna we're gonna call it C O N Con. Right. Oh, right. how about we call it C U L T Count? Um that's right. a little too much. Um right. but yeah, but speaking about those side gags though, I love how visually expressive the show is. It really does remind yeah. me of like nineties cartoons specifically, like you know, um WB, like Warner Brothers stuff, you know. Yeah. It's yeah. 
like when they have having a phone call, you know, is how they would express the call. Like when somebody says something, you know, like when you're screaming, ah, you see the E's come out. It's very expressive. Yeah. It's very comic book like, you know what I mean? And so does once it, again, it's it, just like taking yeah. animation, just stretching it out as far as they could possibly do. The creators yeah, doing that. You know? They'll do a lot of weird fourth wall breaking yes. and internal <laughs> stuff like, so they'll have like characters who think about like pastries or some shit like that, but you'll just see like the characters chewing right after. I said, yes. wait, the characters eat the trees, right? Like, you know, stuff like that. It's just all these little small causative things that exist yeah. in this world. It's such a magical realism um, in the world now. Yeah. Um, um, as you have to say that, there's one funny moment, though, with Psygag, where um, Bertie's phone is drawn. It's like, so many apps. I can't. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I'm yeah, it. You know, yeah. This was little yeah. things, though, which yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. But, but speaking of, of of those characters, just the voice acting, I think that you know everybody comes through with a with a fantastic job. Um, especially uh, Ali Wong, you know, whose voice I'm not too yeah. familiar with, right? I thought that she was great as um, Booty. Uh, same thing goes for Stephen Yuen. I thought he was excellent as Speckle. Um, but the highlight, of course, is Tiffany Haddish, who plays Tuka. Yeah. You know, she she does her you know Haddish isms, the way how she talks, you know that hey, you know that kind of, you know that that kind of half bougie, half ratchet kind of thing, you know, that yeah, kind of vibe yeah. she went with. Um, but I would say, in terms of her character itself, I'd imagine, like, if you're not a fan of Tiffany Haddish, you will, like, hate her character instantly, just, just when you hear her voice, because, yes, she is the loud mouth character. She's the one yeah. who just want to party and this all kind of crazy shit, right? And you kind of, like, to me, she, she reminds me of her character in Girlship, right? Which is funny, right, because yeah. other than... Apart from Girlship, I really have not checked up any other movie that she was in, you know. I know there was Night School last year, but I hear that was shit. Skipped it. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So, like, I don't know. Like, I just I always associate her with Girlship because she was, like, my favorite character in, in that show. But, you know, just her being there in the show here was great. She just added a lot of flavor, just a lot of dynamics to the, to the show itself. I don't know. Like, every time, like, even for episode one, when I was hearing a voice and seeing a character, this design, I was I was just like laughing. I was just laughing and giggling, like, yes, yeah. this is exactly how you know a token with her voice would react and move right. and you know stuff like that. But like I said, I guess it all depends on your tolerance of Tiffany Haddish herself, you know, especially her her brand of humor, right? That kind of risky brand of humor. You know, if you don't like her, I guess you wouldn't care for her character at all. But if you do, and you find she at least have a funny voice. I think she have a funny voice, <laughs> but it yeah. works here. Um, but yeah, I was just in love with the world and just how crazy it was. But you know, for the first few episodes, you think it's just about this, these two characters going through one crazy shenanigan after the next, you know, like a broad city. But they go deep and they actually explore characters and there's arcs going on, you know, that, you know, there's even one moment where, where their relationship is being affected, their friendship. I thought that was, like, yeah. really great as well. Like, I didn't think that they would go that deep. Now. I thought it was just going to be this insanity and lunacy in this world. But they actually go deep, a little deep in terms of exploring the characters. Which could have gone a little bit deeper. Don't need to be dark like, you know, a Bojack Horseman. But that's enough for me to be like... But actually, they do go deep enough for me to care about these characters. They're not just, you know, crazy animated creatures. But they, they actually have personalities. I really love that. Um, even right down to, to Speckle as well, you know. And yeah. a few of the side characters as well. But I do agree with you. Um, they could have gone a little bit deeper in terms of their characterization, the story itself. Like, I'm not saying go full dark, but just it, a it little just, more dark, just, a little bit more complex. Yeah, well, I think it just needed more better pacing. Um, 
So everything just kind of rushed on at the end there. No? That's money you see with it. Um, yeah, I, I would admit those last two episodes just kind of rushed things out a little too quickly. Yeah. Like they could have not not give them an extra episode. Like you know, right now it's ten episodes, you know, but still, um, I don't know, just not have so much things go on, especially the last two episodes, yeah. but kind of space things out a little bit so you'll see the characters, you know, react and kind of flesh things out. Now. But you know, it's I I would, I would chalk it up to like you know, full season. You know, um, first yeah. f- 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 season flaws, you know what I mean? So it's not perfect. Um, but, you know, as, as far as, you know, in terms of just being like this nice little alternative to the world of Bojack Horseman, I think it works. And, you know, I was yeah. laughing the majority of it. I had fun with it. I love the team song for it. I love the, oh, yeah, by the way, the music though. Um, Jesse Novak, who does the music for Bojack Horseman, I thought that. The music he do for this was like real dread though, like on point, you know what I mean? It reminds yeah. me a lot of Broad City where it kind of feels modern and organic. So it's like, all right, we're going to have like this electronic song. We're going to have this EDM song. We're going to have this rap beat. We're going to have this pop beat. It really does feel modern, you know what I mean? Right. Um, while Bojack admittedly have this kind of dark, kind of jazzy tone at times, you know what I mean? Um, but in this one, there was a lot of variety. It really did remind me of um, Broad City. And yeah, just the mere fact that it is kind of like a female version of Bojack to extent, I think it works, yeah. you know, I, I imagine women enjoying the hell out of this. Once you just get past the loony animation and characters, yeah, they'll love this, right? So yeah, for me, I enjoyed it. Um, I wanted to, to really enjoy it more, but for what we got here, I thought it was pretty solid. But yeah, it really does need a season two, and I really hope that they go deeper into these characters and still give us the same, you know, lunacy and whatnot. So I will go for a light four to five, man. Um, I think it is worth right. checking out. It is 10 episodes. It clocks in, I think, like about roughly five hours. But trust me, you're going to have a blast watching this. You'll have fun with it. Just once you kind of hotwire your brain to accept all the crazy shit that you're seeing. Yeah. Uh, you'll, you'll enjoy it, man. You'll enjoy it. Uh, what, what's, yeah. your, what's your reason? Uh, yeah, I give, I give this like a six and a half out of ten, around, you know, closer to a seven. Um, you know, I enjoy it for what it is, but I, again, it, it because it rushed through some of the big, more, more bigger narrative beats, I, I didn't really feel it. But it does have me laughing. Um, it kept my attention the entire time. So, yeah, you can ask for more for that for some like this. Uh, yeah, about a six and a half out of ten. Yeah, uh, Netflix really onto something here with this. Uh, so, yeah, really can't wait to see what they do next with season two. Let's keep my fingers crossed that we do get a season two.
right, speaking of season two, The Orville, which admittedly um, I did not watch the second season of. Because uh, the first season, while I get where Seth MacFarlane was coming from, it really did feel too much like too much homage to Star Trek The Next Generation. Um, generation. Way too much homage. And this, the mere fact that it came out roughly the same time that um, Star Trek Discovery Season 1 came out, right. you know, we, it's just like, all right, so you, you, you're, you're not really giving me that much of a choice, man. Give me the show that is Star Trek. Don't give me the wannabe right. watered-down Star Trek, right? So that was my reason why I did not watch Season 2. But if it is good, which hopefully you will let me know if it is or not, I'll right. I'll, I'll, I'll give it a look. I'll, I'll make the effort to give it a look. Yeah, so how was uh, Season 2 of The Orville? Alright, so, yeah, the thing, I, the thing of the show, okay, so, here's the thing, I, we are, I'll just straight up say it, I am very sick of time travel chicanery this week, um, way too many shows done it in the last couple of weeks, because four big franchises did it, um, Star Trek Discovery had a whole time travel thing, Avengers Endgame, Mortal Kombat 11 had a time travel story, and then finally the awful season finale, um, was involved uh-huh. with time travel, um, and well, just to, just to run it through, you know, Orville was okay. I'm sorry, Discovery was okay, but convoluted. Avengers again, game was okay, but a little uninspired and clumsy. Um, MK11 was just insane because it's Mortal Kombat, and the Orville just it just fell flat for me in terms of being so straightforward and a boring use of the premise. Um, it felt mostly like that Voyager episode. Well, the finale of season two was felt like that Voyager episode, timeless but worse. Um, but overall, I will say, I will say, I have slightly warmed up to his show. Um, slightly. Uh, mostly because they started doing episodes in the, in the way that I thought the show should have been. Um, so that's going to just be, uh, you know, now, and I always, keep, I always keep worrying that the reason I didn't like the show is because it was just a sort of lazy TNG era spec scripting, right? You know, I, I come to realize that there's not a reason. No, it's not the reason why I don't like the show. Like th- those are the reasons why I don't like the show. I mean, have technical and creative reasons. You know, very, very uninspired on both levels. Um, but that's not the reason why the show doesn't work for me. The, the reason why the show doesn't work is because the central conceit of the show doesn't work, which is uh, the two main characters, Ed and Kelly. Um, Seth Seth McFarlane still feels as if Gene Roddenberry casted himself as Kirk. Uh, <laughs> wow. Yeah, that's basically what we like. And then because both Ed and Kelly are so intertwined with each other. Um, because they're so inter- intertwined and lean on each other's justification for the other, neither has anything interesting going on for them without referencing the other, right? You know, Ed, Ed, whole arc is about because Kelly cheated on him and then they had this whole kind of resolution to it. And then Kelly is there because of guilt because of Ed. And then they never really do anything with her because almost everything she does is in some way, you know, referencing Ed, right? And now, all of that would have been perfectly fine. All of that would have been fine. But the problem is that Seth MacFarlane and, and Adrian um, Palaki has no chemistry. Right? Oh, oh, they still do it. Okay, okay. They still don't. I, I still straight. And the, the, the story leans on them super heavily in this, in this um, second season. Now. And also like, that I hated about the first season, the, yeah, the, the amount of time so, spent on their uh, relationship yeah. of, of sorts. <laughs> Okay, so remember in season one, it had a character. Remember, he went and he pretended to be one of the evil aliens. I forget the name, the Krill, I think. And right. he was with a... Right, so something like and, that and happened. He was, and he was um, Kelly's ex or something, right? Yeah, he's Kelly's ex in the story. Right, right? The story. right. 
Okay. Uh, remember, season, right. So, to me, if anything, Seth MacFarlane had more chemistry with uh, Michaela McInnes. Now, Michaela McInnes is a character that was introduced in season one as when Seth went across to pretend to be a krill and she was the, the fake krill. She was a krill and he was pretending to be a krill. Right. And she kind of um, with him. That was the episode where I think they had some um, some kind of like religious ceremony and he was supposed to see right, some right, kind right, of book. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. But so in season two now, something like that happens again. Um, and they expanded on that. Right, something similar happens, but they invert it a little bit, right? I kind of spoiled that, but just they invert the similar scenario. And then, but what they filled out with that, I thought was interesting. They could have done that. And you realize that Seth has more chemistry with that, that woman because she comes back um, okay. than, than him. And I was like, that was, that's a good idea. Um, and I, I would have liked to see Ed and, uh, well, the character's name is Talia. I'd like to see them do more, more back and forth because they actually have more interesting relationship. Um, even though Discovery kind of covered that with, with Michael Burnham and Ash Tyler, right? Whoever. Right. Um, this season, you know, there are three episodes that stood out for me, which were Primal Urges, Blood of Patriots, and Lasting Impressions. Um, and the reason why these three episodes stood out for me is because it's in the, it's in the spirit of what the show should be, in my opinion. Um, uh, there's another episode that had a big, a big two-parter badass thing involving the robot Isaac. Um, you learn what his race is about. And that was like a big two-part epic episode but it because it was so uninspired i didn't really care for it even though the space battle was pretty cool and well done i thought um the mocklands all of their gender sexual orientation stuff isn't half bad um but well basically the arc this angle this this season is they they start to lead into bought us the male feminists because you, you start learning about the gender stuff in their world they have a couple episodes focusing on like all the gender things um there's another episode called deflectors that actually focus on another character that was like that um, I did a brought in for the episode, and it was it was a nice, interesting gender sexual orientation flipping for the sake of the storyline. It's it's not brilliant or anything like that, but it could have been much worse, and it's handled reasonably well for what for, for the most part. Uh, there's another episode called Sanctuary that ex- that expands on the whole female Mockland thing, um, and it's it's less gender stuff and more Israel Palestine. If you get the me- if you get the metaphor, that is what it was going for, in my opinion. Um, my favorite character in the show is Gordon Malloy. He is the pilot um, because he feels like the spirit of what the show should be like, uh, which is a goofball, relatable character living in a track type universe. And his two episodes, um, his two episodes, which are uh, Blood of Patriots and Lasting Impressions, those episodes exemplify that, where you had uh, the goofball having to deal with serious emotions and what it did with that. And, and those two episodes, I think, work quite well for what it is. Um, the reason why episode the primal urges episode works quite quite well is because it does the the um the comedy of errors premise of, of the show. And and this is all this is kind of my last take on the show. I don't think the show needs to be an outright comedy, right? That's not that is not what I'm saying. Because defenders of the show keep saying it's not meant to be a comedy. Okay, that's fine. I don't think it, it it's framed as a comedy. But if it's not supposed to be a comedy, fine. But it still needs to do the comedy of errors thing to make it interesting, right? It can't be ripping off Trek Street. You can't. No, it's Seth MacFarlane. Come on. Yeah, but Primal Urges, Primal Urges handled that the best. So the, the episode Primal Urges balances, kind of balances the comedy, but it does it does a serious premise with it, and then it, it that leads to a comedy of errors to the main event of the storyline, and it it combines almost every event 
to me very, very well. I, I'll say Prime Minister just probably is one of the better episodes of the series so far, in my opinion, in terms of like All what right. you should be doing with the show and the nature of the show. Um, you know, the cast members are still fine. You know, Bortus is still good. You know, all the other side characters are still good. But just because it leans so heavily on Ellen Kelly, it has just fall so bad and so flat for me. Neither and, and then the finale was all about that, where the finale is about Kelly. Like, they do some time travel thing with Kelly, and Kelly, like, have to encounter her past self, kind of. And uh. it's, it's and in a sense, in the same way, um, if you know who Tom Riker is, it's the Tom Riker scenario, where she have to talk to her younger, less developed version of herself, kind of. Yeah, they, that was the idea. And then the finale was something to do with the past Kelly changing time, and they had to fix that. And it was, and it's because Ed and Kelly, and well, the, the implication was that, well, Ed and Kelly need to get together to make the, the galaxy, you know, be nice because things Bullshit. go all right. <laughs> and it just doesn't work at all because, because, Ed, because Seth MacFarlane and Adrian Palaki does not have good chemistry at all. That's the main problem. Main main weakness of the show, like I, I yeah, you, you, okay, you're doing the spec script and stuff and all that. But if you had great acting, I wouldn't have mind as much. But because this shit just falls so flat and feels so like unpolished, um, especially when I, when I watch Discovery and Discovery just had such goddamn amazing cinematography and the shit was just looking, just feeling epic all around and so well done. And just like, to have this, and you know, a lot of people who attacking Discovery and and, and uh, defending and, Orville, and defending this so, true. Yeah, it just it just come across like just performative nonsense, man. And I and I, I say, look, I know some people like to stuff the family dog, but that is what the overall just come across like to me with people. It's just people just want a tone, and it's like to me, sorry, that just come across like cult- cultural taxonomy. You know, you're catering to a time that is gone, and because they're not executing it particularly interestingly or well, it just come across like 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 cargo cult Star Trek, and yeah. I can't be supporting that, like. I just not into that. Like for all the issues you'll have a discovery, the Orville just don't come close to like doing anything interesting with the material unless you want people to like somehow forget what Star Trek was like and then bring back that to say this is better executed, but it's not. Sorry. You know, you, you, I think anybody who's arguing that just kind of deluding themselves now, frankly. You know, it, it just it just come across like that. It's just this nostalgia in the worst way. Now. Um I, I mean I I do think the show should get a season three because it could still make it work you know you could still do the whole as i said to me the character that works the best is gordon malloy um firstly because scott grimes just have better screen presence than seth mcfarlane like holy shit seth mcfarlane's sleepy eye is still really distracting <laughs> like, hey. and, and, and i keep i keep i keep boiling back down to seth mcfarlane um you know he really she, in my opinion, i still don't think he should be there you know go back go behind the scenes i i still say that he should kill off the character because it really feels like if gene roddenberry was acting was trying to act. It really feels right. like that. Imagine if Gene Roddenberry casting himself as good. Imagine that version of Trek. How terrible that would be. Yeah, um, yeah, I can imagine that. Yeah, it's it's total nonsense, right? Yeah, um, that's basically what what what's going on here. That's what it feels like. And yeah, they could they could have cast somebody else to be the lead or something like that, and it would have probably worked. Mostly because he has no chemistry with Ed and Kelly. Ed and Kelly has no chemistry with each other. That's the main problem. So I'm not feeling them. They don't work to me. The show keep telling me that it should work, but it does not work. Um, and I just the simple fact. All the other side characters um, get a little thing, or they did a big casting change in the early of the early of the season. So they got rid of the character Lara, forget the actress's name, um, and they switched out with somebody who is basically the same character but a little more mature. Um, okay. So they didn't really do anything with that, and that character didn't really get a chance to 
shine as well, even though I don't hate her all that much, but she kind of falls flat for me. Um, I, w- I really wanted them to like just, if, if you could have probably gotten Alara off the show and then have her entirely replaced uh, with somebody different, because for a second they had Patrick Warburton on board and played the character who was at her position oh, wow. for, okay. Okay. for one episode. I, I thought he would have stick around. I thought he was hilarious. Um, yeah. as, as wanting all these little other side characters to stick around. Um, but now nah, we didn't really get any, any of that. Um, yeah, I don't think the show should deserve a season three, but they, I just going to simply compare it. Like, I was not excited for Orville at all this season. Like, last time I was giving it a chance and making kind of working comparisons to Discovery, but this right. time I was like, I just kind of wait in two, three weeks and then say, okay, I'll kind of quick binge it and dice it. Whilst with Discovery, I was actually excited for Discovery every episode this season. I was actually waiting for it, you know, um, waiting for it to come on Netflix, which was the smart move they did. You know, you just have to wait one day and you'll see it on Netflix one day after CBS All Access, which is exactly what they should have done from right. the start. Um, I was actually watching it. I was actually engaged. In fact, in fact, sometimes I was so impatient. I was actually going to, I pirated before it come on Netflix, just to see it before Netflix. Uh, but I still watch it on Netflix and it's like, mm. all right, cool. Um, Discovery was actually engaged in the season. I actually want to see what's going to happen for season three. Um, they did all the things. Well, they did most of the things I wanted them to do anyway. Um, but where the Orville is, like, the Orville is just kind of mostly same old, same old. Um, except for a couple episodes, which, um, you know, actually lined up with what it should be. As I said, the episode primologies nails what the Orville should be, in my opinion. Which is a silly comedy of errors, not necessarily funny, but could be played for laughs if you want. And then does the comedy of errors better than just a straight comedy. Um, right. And then, you fo- to me, you focus more on Gordon Malloy, and I, I think the show could work better somewhat. Um, I don't think you had to outright get rid of Ed and them, but just tone down on Ed. Just, just put them in the background. To me, have Gordon be the star, if it's anything. If they, the show focused on Gordon from the start, it would have been better. Like, if he, was, if he had the arc, and if his wife cheated on him, and then Ed is the more responsible one that pull him on board of the Oval to him to get an extra job or something like that. That could have been the better arc, in my opinion. Um, but, you know, again, if you didn't, you know, Seth McQuarrie have too much of an ego for that shit, so whoever. Yeah. Um, you know, it's a Marshall Montano problem, right? You know, um, yeah, why so, no well, it's 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 to be somebody like Seth MacFarlane, right? Like you have you have Family Guy, you have American Dad, you have the Orville. You know, like like I don't, I don't know. For me, I always feel like like the Orville is kinda like, well, you know, the Cleveland show didn't, didn't work out. So now I wanna jump onto my next project. Like he just wanna have right. so much projects, so much fingers and so much pies there, you know what I mean? Like he right. can't just be he can't just be satisfied with just with just two shows. You have to have three right. and more, you know. Right, but I, I, we don't know because the thing, as I say, you know, the, he he go. Um, we'll see with, with what they're doing with the with season three. It'll most likely get a season three. I don't know what the ratings was um, for the show, but it, it could be that you know, if the show get cancelled, you know, you'll have all these idiots to go, go try to martyr the show in some way, shape, or form, and, and make it like, some kind of cult gem or something like that. Right, you know what I mean, yeah. like like Maybe God forbid, show, like try to make like a firefly or something, you know? Yeah, but the show's still not doing anything for me. I, can't, I really can't say so because it's not doing what it should be doing. Uh, in my opinion, it's not fulfilling that. They're just trying to be Trek for some... And again, because Orville, Orville people still telling me that the show not supposed to be funny, that makes the show worse. Stop saying that. Like, have it be... You know, just have it carry to a, a better logical space with some of the ideas. Um, there is one episode in this season that is... Oh boy, this episode is so goddamn stupid. I can't believe that they would, they would write this. And that, that episode made no fucking sense involving the horoscope. It was so goddamn dumb. Nothing about this episode made sense. And it's shocking that they actually decided to make this. Uh, but whatever. Yeah. Been on. Um, yeah. um, you, you want to rate it? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay, so I, I can't remember what was the score I gave um, Orville season one, but it's about that, a little better. So I, yeah, I, 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 I think, think I gave it 
uh, either two and a half or a three. Which right. one I, of those two? Yeah. Right, I gave it. I like. I, I think I gave season one a four out of ten. I can't remember. But yeah, this guy five out of ten. Uh, um, <laughs> it's fine. That's a, that's a little fine. of improvement. All right. Yeah, I I I didn't. Um, it doing things and it it, but I just I just can't get into this because it, you know it's not leaning into what it could have been doing. And because it, I think as I said, the mistake is focusing on Ed and Kelly. It's not it's not because it's so derivative or anything like that. We'll see with season three. Season three. Both shows have the opportunity to be, um, well, get effectively soft reboots. I'm way more excited for Star Trek Discovery and what they're going to do um, with the Orville, with their finale, which wasn't that interesting. Um, it it kind of resets things, maybe, but we're not sure. And we'll see what happened with the new thing, but basically they're kind of doing something similar. And that's that. So, yeah. That's it. Okay. Yeah. All right. So, close it things off now. Um... I wouldn't stay too long on both films because, uh, admittedly, there's already much to talk about, which is both a good and bad thing, as you'll see soon enough. So I'll be talking about Arctic and Extremely Wicked, Shockingly Evil, and Vile. It was a pretty dope-ass name, by the way, right? But first off with Arctic, right? This is a survival thriller film, more survival drama, kind of. Um, it's directed by Joe Penner who, um, well, if you're in the know in terms of YouTube, well, I honestly didn't even know that till after the fact, right? So he is a Brazilian music musician, filmmaker, and um, also he had a YouTube personality by the name of Mystery Guitar Man. I didn't even right. know about this, but apparently like, he's a big deal. But point is that he was, he, he's a YouTuber, basically, and um, he also made some short films, I believe, from 2010, and this film right here is actually his debut feature. And it was our official selection at uh, last year's Cannes Film Festival. So, like, it's like that. Like, for 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 for, uh, for people like us, Ricardo, that's like a yeah. real big, you know, inspiration right there, though. You know what I mean? Right. From humble beginnings, doing the whole, you know, YouTube stuff, doing the short film stuff. Well, I know that's what yeah. you're into. I still had to get my feet wet with that, but started off strong, though. You know, again, your film selected for something as big as the Cannes Film Festival. Like, holy shit, you know? And um, but the big sell of this is uh, the, the lead in this. Mads Mikkelsen, you know? Right. Uh, big, big um, actor, one of the best European actors, I would say, in the game right now. And um, he would even go as far as saying that this film right here is actually, like, the toughest shoot he's ever been in. So right. what it is about, uh, and the, the premise is so, so incredibly simple, right? Which works. Um he right, so he is this um dude, right? His name is Over God. Um that that that's the name that's on his jacket basically, right? So he's just this Danish guy who's playing crashed, but um we don't really see the plane crashed. We just see him kind of just trying to send a, a, a signal out for help. So he's just stranded in the Arctic for well, we're not really sure how long he's there, right? Um but yeah, we just seen the day to day life of him just trying to trying to get trying trying to get the signal out, trying to get rescued and stuff like that. Um, he is rather resourceful, you know. He figures out ways to to survive. Basically, he has this really cool technique where he catches a fish every day. You know, he this is little simple mechanics that he uses, right? But um, one day, you know, he tries to get the the well, he tries to get the attention of this helicopter. But unfortunately, when the helicopter goes closer to where he's at, there's like this these heavy winds, and it kind of affects the trajectory of the helicopter, 
helicopter ends up um well crashing basically right so he runs to the site and the pilot is dead but um there's somebody else well who is at the passenger side who's alive a woman and um i wasn't sure if she was thai because um there's a shot where you see her id card and it's clearly written in thai but um yeah. actually look at the imd well the imdb page right now she is both icelandic and thai right and yes the okay. film was shot in um in iceland over the course of 19 days and all the like all the weather stuff that you see here you know just the heavy winds and all that kind of stuff that shit was real so it's shot like entirely on location not no sound stage not like that everything that you see in this film here is real and essentially it's overguard trying to get this girl well who by the way is wounded like seriously wounded trying to get her to this uh, particular area sort of a mountainous area where hopefully you know he could just raise a signal again and you know another chopper could come and you know just take them just rescue them basically and that is what the show is about right so uh right off the bat as i was talking about like you know iceland stuff like that um the cinematography for this is breathtaking it is so incredibly gorgeous so icy and so cool and you're like it really does put your smack dab into this world here um another thing what i like about uh the show here is that um it's just essentially this bearboards survival story you know it is very it's i wouldn't say devoid of dialogue this dialogue but it's very 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 sparse right and most of it is being delivered by Mads, who also delivers it in both english and danish i thought that was pretty cool as well um the girl herself she doesn't really get to see much because she's just there she's wounded she might just whisper or groan or whatnot um, i'll yeah. talk about her in a bit right but essentially it's about him just breathing the elements just be just trying to survive and of course it's not easy you know he runs into one mishap after the next so what i like here about the show is that unlike you know hollywood films which kind of want to stress on how you know deadly and how serious these conditions are it's not like every single day something bad happens but it's just like all right i'm gonna get to point a to point b it's not gonna be easy at all i have to drag this body basically i have to take a rest ever so often because yeah i have to walk and all that kind of stuff so you see how so basically like it's a realistic take or just the whole survival story basically it's not you know glo- you're not glorified i want to say um it's not like heightened to make it feel like some kind of hollywood flick it really does feel like this is how a person like you know would would act or react or you know try to survive in these uh in these uh, in these situations and in these conditions right uh but Matt Mickelson though uh I would say oh. this is probably the best performance I've ever seen from him and that's seen a lot right. I always find like every every time that he's on screen even in, in something like Doctor Strange you know he always does his best it's just well as if the script will give him much to do right but in this case here he literally has to you know, put this film on his shoulders because it is about him trying to survive. And, you know, <laughs> the script doesn't give him much to say, which is something that I really do appreciate. Um, right. It's all about his mannerisms, his body movements, his facial features, all that kind of stuff, and it works. When he says something, it's just like, well, usually it's some sort of, like, calm assurance to the guild that everything's going to be fine, or even he's telling himself that everything's going to be fine. Another thing that I really do like here, like, I was, I was making a comparison with... Um, 127 hours right which starred uh james fracco 
You re- right. like remember that it was just him kind of vlogging and talking about well, you know, I'm here and let me just film everything with my camera and all that kind of stuff. Um, so it's like that. It's not like that, right? Where the character is always monologuing and talking to himself. In this case, it's just him. He doesn't really say much. He's not that type of person, which I like. Although there were a few moments where I was like, all right, yeah, in this situation, it could it could react to it, you know, you could kind of shout and curse and talk loud to yourself and be like, how are I gonna get out of this, you know? But that's right. not what the that's not the approach here to this. It's not like, oh my god, what am I what am I gonna do? That's not that type of film. It's all right, I'm in this situation, what am I gonna do? Am I gonna kinda well bitch about it? Or am I gonna figure out a way out of it? This is that is that type of story, right? Um as far as gripes go, I did feel like the girl was just kind of like just there as this plot device just to add like conflict to the story. Like, okay, it could have just been him by himself trying to survive, but you needed a reason for him to get to that area, right? To try to get the signal out. So, alright, you have this girl who's injured, you have to get her to that spot because if she stays where she's at, she's going to die. You could survive, but she can't because she, well, she physically can't do it by herself, right? But Right. Like, there really isn't much to her character except she's lying down, she's kind of passes out ever so often, she's usually sleepy, you're not too sure if she's dying or if she's just weak, you know what I mean? They didn't really establish that that much. You know, like, there was, there was re- there's lots of, there's certain moments I would say where I was like, all right, is she dying? Is she bleeding out? You're not too sure? Like, I, they never really specify how long these characters are together. So you kind of wondered, okay, after two, three days, you would be kind of back to normal, kind of. You can't say, you know, a sentence at least, you know what I mean? You, you're going to be this way, all true. Is it the cold? What is it? You're not too sure, you know what I mean? So I felt that was, like, one of the major gripes in the show. Um, also, uh, as far as the plot goes, because it's so straightforward and bare bones, you kind of wish that there was a moment or two where they could develop... Uh, Matt's character a little bit more instead of just I'm a guy stuck here and you don't need to do anything beyond that. Uh, also, there were a few shots that are, yeah, you know, while it is a very well made film, very well polished film, I would say this is one that you should see on the big screen. Or if you can't see on the big screen like me, you could see it on your monitor. Just make sure it's like a wide one. It does work, it does deserve to see me, me view there and not on you know a laptop screen or god forbid on your phone, right? On the smartphone. But I would admit there were some shots that felt a little on the repetitive side of things. You know, what I mean, I know they go in for repetition, they go in for uh, this is how my day to day life is, see that I'm stranded here. But it, I, I couldn't help but think, yeah, it does feel a little recycled, even though they may have just you know done a different take of the same shot. But still, they could have done something a little bit more creative as far as the framing and you know shot composition goes. But uh, other than that, I mean, this is a, a debut film. I just know, just the mere fact that it premiered at Cannes. This is the mere fact that it's from a YouTuber who just yeah. you know took time, developed his craft, and just say, "Hey, this is gonna be my my debut feature, dread. I gotta get mad, you know, a big actor into this, like." That shit is like inspirational, like like you know what I mean? that's something like where like for me now, now I want to look back at his work. I actually want to see his short films now and see what he did be, uh, prior to this film here. That shit is just amazing, right? But yeah, this is a solid film. Uh, I would say it's a film that I outright loved. 
Um, Karin right. is just a straightforward survival film. So if you like those kind of films, I imagine you'll see yourself watching this over and over. And yes, cinematography-wise, it is beautiful to look at. It is gorgeous. But for me, Percy, it's just not one of those shows I want to see again. Not see that I didn't enjoy it, but just like, all right, I see it, I get it. Okay, maybe in the next few years I might check it out again to be like, yeah, does Matt's performance still hold up now? But I think just that reason alone is reason. Just his performance alone is reason enough for you to see it. Uh, although I do wish they could have done a little bit more with his character and not really completely rely on him to hold the film together. But, you know, he does just such an amazing job here. You know, it kind of let that slide, you know. So for me, I will give this a strong three and a half out of five. But it is worth checking out. Uh, see it on whatever big screen you could get to. But don't go in expecting some kind of grand masterpiece. You know what I mean? Or something incredibly visceral. You know what I mean? It's PG-13. Right. It's, it could have gone darker, I find, in my opinion. But that, this is not what you know, um, you know, Joe is going for. You know what I mean? This is not the referent. This is not like... You know, your visceral kind of bloody kind of film. This kind of like, all right, this is how it really would play out. And the mere fact that they shot this, you know, in a hot location. And, you know, Mads himself say that this was like the most difficult shoot he's ever been on. You know what I mean? Just, yeah, it's, it's just more enough for you to really check, uh, be invested in the film. So, yeah, give it a look. It's not the best movie in the world, but you'll enjoy it for, for the most part. You know, you'll enjoy it. You'll enjoy it. That scene you'll watch it again, but it's one that you should definitely check out if you haven't already. And last but not least, we have Extremely Wicked, Shockingly Evil, and Vile, right? Which is a biographical um, crime film, basically. More drama, if you will, uh, which centers on Ted Bundy, right? Right. right. Legendary, well, I should say infamous serial killer Ted Bundy. Right. Well, I I know his name. What is his name? Yeah, um, Zach Efron, please. Um. Zach Efron, right. And I'll talk about guy. his performance in a bit, yeah. Right. I don't right. got you on Okay, but um, it's on Netflix right now. Um, it actually premiered at the Sundance Film Festival uh, earlier this year. Now, the thing about it is, though, um, I was kind of nonplussed by it. I kind of ignored when the first trailer came out, right? But apparently, and I only found this out after the fact, that there was some kind of... And if you want to see a big controversy, but see a small controversy, if you will, about the trailer, how the film was marketed, you know? Because looking at it now, it does have a kind of stylized Quentin Tarantino-esque kind of vibe going for the for the trailer. And it, it has to do with the approach to the story itself, right? So, um, before I forget, it's directed by, um, by Joe Berlinger, right? Who, earlier this year, um, actually put out a docuseries on Netflix as well, Called Conversations with a Killer, the Ted Bundy right, tapes. Right, I saw that. All right, I did not see that. I wanted to see it afterwards after seeing this movie here, but I don't know. I was just so drained and tired yesterday. I didn't get around to it. But um, briefly, how was that show? I really wanted to see it, but I just didn't get around to it. How how was that yeah, show? That's that's okay. It, it was one of those just kind of you know you, you know they 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 romanticized the serial killer a little bit. It was that. Um, but I, I thought that was alright too. It wasn't brilliant or anything like that. It's just like, oh well, you know, you're getting to the psychology of why these people might like serial killers. Right. But but what was it really? It was found footage and it had the audio from the tapes and right. I guess so interviews, like interviews, right? That's what it was. Collage. Yeah, there's just a collage of actual information and journalistic work and all this kind of thing. I don't think any new research went into that per se. Um 
as far as I know. Right. Okay. And this apparently would make it well. The time that that docu series came out was the anniversary of um, of his um, execution. Um, that was back in 1989 or well, January 1989, right? I didn't even know that. Uh, to be honest, I don't know much about Ted Bundy. To be honest, like I know his reputation as being this like suave dude who's able to attract women yeah, and then yeah, kill them in like these really they, gruesome they, ways. Right, that's the thing. He was just like really confident, and the, again, the documentary really romanticizes him. Because when you watch at him, like, was he really that handsome? Well, I know, yeah, right? <laughs> it's one of those things that people because they have Zacharfron, and Zacharfron is like not a representative of the man. So I don't know, like, if this movie does the whole unreliable narration thing of making it look like if he's much more attractive than he really is, like that yeah. bullshit. No. I would say I attractive, like by seventies standards, you know, like how. Like, you know, like how leading men used to look like in 70s movies. Like, you know, that, that kind of comparison, I, I guess. But, you know what I mean? Whatever. But, yeah. But when the trailer came out, people felt that, yeah, once again, it was kind of romanticizing. Um, Ted Bundy's like, well, you know, this is the guy who killed all these innocent women. Why you have Zac Af- Efron play them? And why is he so suave? And why is the show kind of hinted that, oh, he's just some cool dude who, you know, kills women on the side. Which, essentially, is what he did, right? And yeah. um, well, the well, it's only when this tweet came out. I think it was either a comment, but the director tweeted after and said, "Agreed. This is exactly what I meant." Basically, let's paraphrase it. It's like this is how the media, you know, portrayed him as just this handsome, suave dude that you know, even though he was in court, he was in trial for all these really, you know, malicious things. Yeah, it had women who were fascinated by the man because of how he looked there, you know, and how he was able to kind of, you know, seduce, well, his victims, basically, and then kill them. So it's just kind of exploring that. That's essentially how the tra- why the trailer was what it was, you know, and why the movie itself was what it was. You know, it wasn't like we're glorifying him and making him to be some kind of misunderstood hero, you know what I mean? Like, no, yeah. the man really was twisted and evil, you know what I mean? Um, but yeah, I didn't even know about this whole controversy till after the fact. But I just went to the show. I didn't even watch a trailer. F- I didn't watch a trailer for it at all. But I just went right. to it because I was hearing about, well, it's Zach Efron playing Ted Bundy. That was the big sell for me. Zach Efron playing um, Ted Bundy, right? And I know I'm not the biggest Zach Efron fan, but I have heard that he has gotten better in terms of acting. Like, like you know, we like you know, you, you always kind of want to typecast him just this pretty boy. But no, the man, the man can act. You know, it's, it's almost like a. Like a Brad Pitt in the sense, yeah. you know, there's more to him than just his face than his looks. The man could act, right? So, what is this about, right? So, it is based off of the memoir, um, the Phantom Prince, which is actually which was um, written by uh, Bundy's former girlfriend and well, well, was supposed to be his fiance, uh, Elizabeth Kendall, right? Who was played by uh, Lily Collins. Last time I saw her was in another Netflix show, which I actually thought was pretty good, called uh, To The Bone. I actually thought that was, that was a pretty solid film. It was about um, this teenager who was dealing with anorexia, and, you know, she actually did lose pounds to, to play that character, right? But, yeah, uh, so she plays Elizabeth to... And it actually do set it up from the very beginning where she uh, she's a single mom, and she's out with her friend, and it's like, oh, well, you know, you don't come to a bar, you know, we, to, to get hit on, you know, we... Well, you go into a bar, not just a drink, but to get hit on, right? And Ted is there, he's at the jukebox, and, well, sparks fly, you know? Like, he instantly falls in love with her, he moves right. in. 
at first you're thinking like at first be be that doing anything about the show right i thought well she was going to be like a victim right but it's like no he just kind of settles down he doesn't even do anything sexual with her it's just like well i'm gonna be you know that that go-to boyfriend basically right but i'm not gonna try anything unless you're ready right and over the years well yeah they become an item while he was still doing his killings on the side right and then eventually you know uh, the, the cops get to him he's arrested he goes to jail he actually escapes in one scene and then he's arrested again and then we get to the the trial which i assume the majority of that uh docuseries was based on right uh, and because it was televised i didn't even know it was the first of its kind to be televised right so yeah, I thought that you know what I mean. So it's kind of like the the OG Simpson. Uh, it's more like the precursor to the OG Simpson trial of the nineties, right? Of the mid nineties, right? So they were able to like recreate certain moments, you know. So they actually got uh, John Markovich. Like I realized, like you know, he's like Netflix go to guy when it comes to you know um, playing side characters or whatnot. Remember last time he was in that god awful bird box, right? Right, right. Yeah, so in this case, he plays the judge. Uh, also, didn't expect to see him in this. Uh, your boy, Jim Parsons, right, from uh, <laughs> Big Bang Theory. Yeah, he plays uh, one of the, the lawyers as well, right? He plays Larry Simpson. I don't know if that's a name you remember from the docuseries, but yeah, first time I've actually seen these characters or heard about them, right? But yeah, essentially, it's meant to be from the perspective of Elizabeth, okay, seeing how the trial and how the relationship being affected because... Well, everybody looking at this guy, you know, looking at him the wrong way, you know. He's a guy accused of kidnapping these girls and raping them, right? And all that kind of stuff. And, and murdering them and all that kind of stuff. So even when he's let out, when he's uh, released or whatnot, people still looking at him in, in this, you know, really bad way. But in true serial killer format, you know, he will go back to his usual trope. So one of the things was him driving this uh, this VW Beetle, right? This uh, Volkswagen, right? And yeah. they were in my head myself, well... All right, if they know that's the vehicle that you're driving, why you'll go back in that same car for? You know what I mean? <laughs> There's even a scene where he goes to that library and he's like doing some research because they do establish that he is a law student, right? He was still studying and whatnot while he was doing his murders. And it's a, in that same scene, he's he's looking at a couple of girls who, you know, doing the studies and whatnot. I tell myself, all right, like, like I get that you're on the prowl, but why you can go back there? After they arrest you for the same thing, like why are you gonna do that? But once again, is the same is the whole pathological side to a serial killer. They will always do these, you know, it's always a pattern to what it is they do. Which is something personally I can't really fully accept. Kind of like, all right, if they catch you doing this one thing, why are you gonna go back and do the same thing again? I don't know. Yeah. You know, you you wouldn't want to lay low for a while, you will just go back at it, you know what I mean? But it's serial killer stuff. I should right, request it. It's, it's weird, it's tough, but that's what yeah, so in his case, it'll always be, I have to go to a spot where there's always these attractive girls. So if it's that library, I'm going to go to a bar, I'm going to go to, right. a, or in one scene, he goes to, a, to, he goes to another university. He goes to some sort of frat party and meets some girls and, well, it leads to, well, two girls actually being murdered, right? And in the film itself, uh, well, Jim Parsons character actually goes into gruesome detail as to what happened, like, he literally like kills them, right? And then I didn't even know this happened. The man literally went into this dorm room and kills like a few other women, like 
who weren't even there like in the, at the party or whatnot. That he just goes in while they were sleeping and just like kills them too. And I thought that was like really messed up too. Like I didn't know all the full details about the murders that he commit, but like just hearing that like really got under my skin. There. Um, but really, it is it. Like I said, it tries to be. It tries to take it from the perspective of Elizabeth, because once again, she's hearing all this kind of stuff. She kind of doesn't want to accept because hey, it's this yeah. sweet man who you know who loves me and loves my daughter and all that kind of stuff. He can't be doing all these murders, you know. It's just because he looks good or he looks like the real killer and whatnot. You know what I mean? But right. it's mostly from from Ted's perspective because the way how Zach plays him is just like. Well, why are they arresting me for? I didn't do anything, you know what I mean? And because he's into law, he's able to pull out all these like uh, law terms, and you know he's quoting cases and whatnot. It's just like, well, you know, I I could actually, I have the right to do so because according to this case back in whatever, I have yeah, the right yeah. to do this, you know, all that kind of stuff. And yeah, he was I just about him. Yeah, and he was just pulling out during during the trial itself, huh? And just shocking people to the point that even some characters were just pissed off, like, dog, like you 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 the defender, you're like, what's going on? Like why you why you play like you you know more than us, you know what I mean? So he does come off suave and you know, you know, like he could handle his own but at the same time he seemed like you know, kinda not too sure what's gonna happen next, you know, worried about what's gonna go on. And they frame it in such a way where it's like, well, I don't know if I'm gonna see Elizabeth again, you know. So I'm gonna right. do what I can to get out or get, you know, probably get a few years off so I can go back to Elizabeth and actually marry her. And I'll stop right here, right? So uh, right off the bat, Saka Fred and admit boy, my pull off a stellar performance with this. And it's it's all in, it's in terms of the framing of the character itself, because they're not romanticizing them. They're not glorifying him. They're not making him out to be the innocent character. But the way how they frame him, how Zach plays him, is just like, I'm just a guy. Like, you know, look at me. Do I look like the type of person that will kill all these women? But it all it's all based on what you know about him. So one thing that the, the, the film does rather creatively, although I wish they could have played it off a lot better, is that you don't even see him perform any murder. It's just, there in the end, there's one scene where he does a violent act, like a couple of right. violent acts within the film, but that's it really. Like in a traditional Hollywood film, they will always kind of intercut him being, you know, with Elizabeth and having fun and, you know, being in love. And then they'll intercut that with him performing some kind of act of violence, like stalking a woman or killing her or whatnot. They don't do that at all. Right. So it's all based off of news reports and, well, uh, stock footage that he used, well, archival footage that he used, you know, describing the stuff that he did, news reports, all that kind of stuff. But I wish that because, like, for me, though, know, because I am, um, well, sorry, I'm not American. <laughs> I wasn't born around that time. So, like, you know, pure knowledge of everything that Ted Bunny did. Like, I don't know a majority of these things, right? But I felt that they could have played on what it is he did a little bit more, like give us more detail about it. So when we see Zach on stage, on screen, sorry, it's just like, but nah, boy, really him, boy? But then when you hear the news reports, like, wow, there's something really dark and twisted going on with him. They do it, but they don't do it enough, in my opinion. So it almost relies right. on you having to know everything about Ted Bundy, like, or I right. guess having to watch the docuseries to get the full context. It's just like, Oh, right. I didn't do anything. But you have to remember every all the bad stuff they did. and be like, all right, that's why I but, should yeah. not trust you. You but know, you just undermine the retrospect aspect of it. 
Exactly, yeah. And like, for right. some people, they would like that because, I, you know, Ted's evil. Let's show him as he is, evil. But no, the film plays it as, I am just this dude who just happened to have a, you know, who just happened to have looks, right? So look at me, you know what I mean? I wouldn't do this, right? But Zach plays it off so well, isn't it? As one-dimensional as I'm describing it, you know, it is a lot of layers to his character. Um, you know, there the, the are moments where he will slip up. You know, he, it's not like he's overly abusive to his, to his uh, girlfriend and whatnot. You know, he, so the film goes out of his way to try to present him as so not a monster, right? But it all, but because of his name alone and what he's synonymous with, it kind of paints him in this really dark corner basically it's just like yeah boy this is seriously how a serial killer would 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 act and how he would move you know what i mean even to the point like yeah it's almost like you know split personality because a majority of what you see here is just like yeah this has got the wrong guy you know what i mean but i know enough to kind of weasel my way through certain things but still i already know that yeah the electric chair is what i'm going to be facing you know what i mean so i know for some people they be like no you have to present him as what he is a murderer a sick twisted mofo right but that's not what this show is aiming for right and for me i kind of different to this decision like i like i didn't mind it at all but i just wish that there was just a little bit more for me to be like all right now i see the 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 split along along the middle as far as this personality goes not saying that you have to stop the show to show him murdering some someone but if since that's not what they're going for but give a little bit more detail about the stuff that he did, you know? Like, really disturb me. Like, really sickened me. So, like, when I see Zach on screen, I'll be like, all right, all right, yeah, I should be, I should be, a, I should be a little more afraid of this dude now. Um, as far as everybody else goes, I mean, Lily Collins is good for the most part as Elizabeth. I felt that, I find that they should have given her a lot more to do instead of just being the, well, I'm the girlfriend and I don't understand why the media is doing all this kind of stuff. I know she kind of believes it. It's like, no, I don't trust you. You know what I mean? They could have given her a little bit more to do than just be the doted wife. Oh, sorry, the doted girlfriend, basically, to Ted Bundy, right? Uh, the side characters, well, when they're there, they do their job. Uh, John Markovich, you know, he's he, he does the whole snarky Markovich stuff. You, know, you kind of come to expect Jim Parsons is, is Jim Parsons, you know, doing his thing. Um, but really, the sell of the show, and well, just using Arctic as a as a reference, it's Zac Efron. You know, he is literally holding the show on his shoulders, right? And yeah, for the most part, I thought that he did a great job just showing, you know, the side that, you know, the, the innocent, quote-unquote, side of, of Ted Bundy. The reason why, you know, women were attracted to him in the be- to, to begin with. Whether it was right. the victims or the woman who kind of just watched him on TV or waited for him outside the court, you know, the, the courthouse and was like admiring him and ugly, ugly, ugly that yeah, and stuff like that. You there's know? a kind of perennial problem with, with, you know, we talk about men as evil monsters and things, which is, yeah, true, he is a terrible monster, but I have a lot of women who support this bullshit. Um, exactly. And, and to he, me, he, it he, still kind of baffles me. It still kind of yeah. baffles me how and why they were attracted to him. But I guess the man just, just had it, you know what I mean? And but that's where the relationship with him and Elizabeth comes into play, though. Yeah, this one I get married in prison. We call him Charles Manson, I think. Yeah, um, yeah exactly. Yeah, yeah. There's always, always a lot of women out there who do just enable this nonsense for some reason. Yeah. Whatever. I don't know. It's just the weird thing. I don't want to say it's an American thing, but just the idea of, you know, the bad boy. No, no, you have to like the bad boy. 
that, that, that is, is, is a general problem. It's not like that is not a unique thing. There's there's very very deep psychologies going on there. So so okay. I always felt it just started with um, with Bonnie and Clyde. Well, no, no, no. Clyde actually, <laughs> you know. This is not a modern cultural thing. It's it's an old problem, not a new one. Okay, okay, I, I got it. Yeah, um, because it's good for for drama. Um, I well, dramatic. Sorry, I wish that it could have. Like, it is about a serial killer. Let's see that you have to be. Oh yes, and the, the, the next film I was thinking about was uh, well, ironically, Zodiac, right? From from David Fincher. Right, right, right. right. Yeah. We didn't see the killer, but it was about the stuff that he was doing, and right. the detectives tried to hunt him down, and well, more particularly the press and how they were approaching, you know, his 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 crimes spree, basically. Like I thought we were going to go that level there, you know, really seeing how people reacted to Ted Bundy and the murders they was doing. And they kinda do that. But because it really centered it more on um, on Ted and Elizabeth, I find it, they do really do that much in terms of really showing the fear, you know, just really what was going on, just how people were scared about, you know, the stuff that he was doing. Zodiac did that excellently, in my opinion. I felt that this film could have done that way more. Um, right. And to me, though, I, this is just like a little gripe for me. It does feel a little too small scale. Like, all right. This is just such a big story, but you're really centered on two characters, one of which is the is the culprit, right? The killer himself. But is to me like how I imagine it's just such a big a bigger issue. Like just such as you know big scale problem that was going on, you know, the murders and all that kind of stuff. And it really could have played that off a lot more instead of just making it so small, you know what I mean? Like I, I understand what you're going for. It's almost like I don't want to say it's a budget issue, you know, but it kind of does have that kind of feel like, you know, they didn't have that much money. We couldn't go all David Fincher. We couldn't go all Zodiac with it. So you're going to make it all small and low key, you know, and I felt that was slightly to the detriment of the story. Because, yeah, the story itself is so much bigger than Ted Bundy himself. It's about America yeah. itself and how people were reacting to yeah, his, his spree. Of, you know, yeah. The kind of timing and the rise of the serial killers are a big news thing. Because the... You know, much like with the OJ thing, remember OJ, not made in America, the... Um, the yes, yes, the, the people versus OJ, which, by the way, the show really reminded me of too, because um, right. of, of having the main character, the, the, the person accused of all these murders, be front and center and seeing how he reacted, right. like, oh my God, police trying to arrest me, I didn't do these things, right? That was what right. Cuba the Good Jr. Yes. was doing when he played right. OJ, right? And that's take- yeah, the big takeaway has always been the change in the media landscape, you know, reframing how we think about these things. Um, you know, it, it, the, OJ merger, the OJ, OJ Simpson trial could have only existed in the 90s because of the history of, yeah. of how technology is and what kind of technology was capable to change how our narratives, you know, shape, which is, well, yeah, the, the idea of the camera, right? There's this, this mobile camera that somebody could just take over the shoulder. You yes. can do that before, you know, and then that, because that, you know, make a perspective of, remember when OJ get searched and all these little technological things change the paradigm of everything now. So, yeah. Yeah. And um, last things, last I want to say before I get to reading. I don't know. In my head, I, I, like, while I get where they were going for, I don't know. I just kind of wish that this could have been like a miniseries. Like the right, people who right. just yeah, Like, right. it really needed to be a longer film. You know what I mean? Right. But just episodes, right? Like, our long episodes. So, I'm like... Uh, right. What was it, Mindhunter, that came out yeah, a right. couple of years ago? Like, it could have been like that, you know what I mean? Give the characters a lot, uh, flesh on the characters a lot more 
instead of well what they do they they edit a lot like they do use a lot of cuts from scene to scene from year to year basically can't get that they go in for a certain piece right the movie itself is like i think it's like an hour and 49 minutes but you really could have just let things breed play uh flesh on the story a lot more flesh on the characters a lot more especially elizabeth like i really wanted to see the the dynamic between her and Ted, because it does get kind of surface level, you know. He's a nice guy, and she loves him, you know. She wants that father figure in her daughter's life, blah blah blah, all that kind of stuff. But it kind of delved a lot deeper into it, especially when when you learn about something that she did, which kind of aided in his arrest. That's all I'll say. Uh, but it kind of developed that a lot more, especially what was going on with, going on with her internally, like her dealing with you know the press, kind of making him out to be this this monster and all that kind of stuff. Like this itself could have been like a five, at least uh, six, uh, five, six part series, you know, kind of like kind of like the the docu series that he he brought out a few months ago, you know. But it's a movie, and it has to be in the the film festivals and whatnot, right? But I don't know, like this could have been a lot longer, not extremely long, haha, but long enough for you to really get the full scope of what was going on. Like what you get here is just like surface level, but they just use. Ted Bundy as the arc to kind of make the to kind of move the story along and Elizabeth, who could have been the arc as well, but she's not as interesting as <laughs> as Ted, kind of just get pushed to the side at times, right? And that was kind of unfortunate. So overall, did not love the show as much as I wanted to. I wish it could have been a little bit more thrillery, a little bit more dark. Uh, it does play on the melodramatic stuff a little too much, in my opinion. But for what you're going for, it is kind of an interesting take on the on the serial killer, the, the mindset of the serial killer, you know? The family man, right. you know, at home, but when he goes out, supposedly going out to study, he's stalking women and killing them, right? You know, yeah. and while I do appreciate the fact that they didn't play on the whole, we have to show, not tell, you know what I mean? Uh, sorry, they, yeah, they didn't play on the whole, we have to show this, and you know, because we have to show how evil and maniacal he is, you know, putting that the background and having the news reports tell it was really was really uh I wouldn't say a stroke of genius but just a really bold call. Um uh, which for some people they wouldn't like. I thought that it it really made this film here a little bit more different, right? Although I wish they could have given us more reason to be sickened by or at least be scared by Ten Money. You know, uh, but Zach is excellent in this though. He really does show that, yeah, there's more to him than just his looks. And yeah, really curious to see what he does next. So, but yeah, this one right here, I would say it's easily his best performance at the moment. Um, I really do want to see him, yeah, just put out, do more stuff, you know what I mean? Uh, right. But rating wise, uh, I will give this a lighter, decent 3 out of 5. It was alright. Uh, not a show I'll go back to, mainly because of the whole melodramatic approach, it, but it is a really unique take on the whole serial killer story, basically. But um, right. it's on Netflix right now. If you're curious about it, give it a look. But just keep your, I would advise you keep your expectations low. Do go in expecting Zodiac or, you know, tell us like said, seven. You know, it's not about glorifying the killer and not glorifying the kills. It's about the allure of the killer and why people were so swayed by him, even though he did all these terrible things. And, you know, I would say, yeah, just, just give it a look. Ignore the controversy. Check out the trailer afterwards, like I did. The trailer might kind of spoil it for you, but yeah, give it a look if you if you're curious. If you're not, well, you could skip it. All right. So with all that being said, Ricardo, where can we find you online? I'm Pasat R M E D D Y. That is at R M E D on Twitter. 
And you can just type in Ricardo Medina on Facebook. You could find me there. All right. On Twitter, you could find me on Bear Beat Bailey. That's Bear Beat Bailey. On Instagram, just look for Bears, Beats, and Bailey. On uh, Facebook, just look for my name, Machi Bailey, along with a legally black blog, official fan base, where you find a link to this podcast, as well as the others that we've done over the past few years, including retrospect reviews. And, uh, yeah, that's pretty much about it. So once again, guys, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, good night, whatever this is. This was Machi Bailey. Huh? Ricardo Medina. We're signing off for another episode of Bears, Beats, and Bailey. So until the next one, take care. Peace.